0: So, what I watched tonight show.
1: Morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Movie Astrology. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me once again is the Pod Prince, all-round top man, and the statesman to my kingsman,
2: John Burke here from BurkeReviews.com.
1: How are you doing, John?
2: Pretty good, Matt. How are you?
1: Not bad. Has it has there been any notable occasions this week for you?
2: Uh, you know, I got a little older this week. Um, <laughs> My birthday was on August 7th, so...
1: Happy birthday. And I hear you've got some superb pastries as
2: well. I did. I got some awesome cinnamon rolls oh, from nice. a coworker. And since this is a movie podcast, I did happen to look at IMDb to see what celebrities I share a birthday mm-hmm. with. I have some pretty cool ones, man. Charlize Theron. Nice. Uh, we share this, a, a birthday. I don't know what year she was born. but And then, um, oh, my brain just went dead. Why that happened? Oh, Michael Shannon uh, is the other one that I was really excited about. I'm a big fan of Michael Shannon's work and uh his birthday's also on August 7th. Do you think
1: you are comparable to their level of talent?
2: Not in acting, but <laughs> maybe in the things that I do. Like <laughs> Have you tried I acting? like to think so? Um not really. Did I get I would hope? say I I freeze up in front of the camera. Um I do I would say I put on a show for my students all the time. So in a way, I'm like a character of sorts you know but
1: in a way you're you're better than they are
2: yes yes you know i i, I definitely make a lot less money <laughs> for what i do but...
1: <laughs> but still it's all about satisfaction i think i share a birthday with uh matthew mcconaughey which is i think is pretty oh, cool because i think he's
2: an awesome is. actor yeah for sure um when i mean he he's had some on. crap movies yeah 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 <laughs> ghost of girlfriends past you know oh, that, that the rom-com
1: so side and then he had the reconnaissance which we just had this
2: golden period. Mm -hmm. And then I think that ended with gold, right? Like that was like, oh, wait, it's over. (laughs) I think it did.
1: He's also in Killer Joe by uh, William Friedkin, which he's got a very infamous scene in that. If you haven't seen it, check it out.
2: I have it, and that one's been on my radar for a while. I really need to snag that one. Check it out. Um, I
1: dig anything by Friedkin, obviously. But he's awesome. I don't want to say too much more, but yeah, it's pretty much known for one ...moment in it, but it's also got Juno Temple in. I think it was her first film, which mm. I really like her as an actress.
2: Yeah, I do too. Um, the things I've seen her in, which I don't think are as many as they could be, but...
1: Which is a shame, because she should be in more, but... This is mm. movie astrology, as you guys know, because you've probably listened to the last two shows, and if you haven't, check it out. Uh, on this show, myself and John, we dive into a randomly selected year in film, and we discuss the top movies, other notable releases during the year movers and shakers during award season the debuting performers and who came into the world and sadly who left the world also so without any further john can you reveal the year that we're covering
2: in this episode please yes sir this time we're traveling all the way back to 2006 only so we will be talking about the films of 2006 and all those other awesome things Matt just mentioned um on this episode
1: 2006. I still think it is 2006 half the time. When somebody says, "Oh, you know, this film was released in 2006," I think, "Oh, that was only two or three years ago." You find out it was 12 yeah. years ago.
2: 12 years ago, which is going to make the uh, the birth conversation probably much shorter than some of the other episodes. It, um, it is shorter. Yeah, because you know, not as many people have had time to get famous that were born in 2006. uh But and obviously, they're only 12 year olds that we're going to be talking about, which is crazy to think. Um they have made more money.
1: <laughs> They've made more of a legacy than I have so far.
2: Yeah, yeah. So a little <laughs> l- little sad when we get to that part of this episode.
1: but well, We won't you know. let our bitterness in show, show. Yes. But 2006, this is going to be a mouthful, but it was the International Year of Deserts and Desertification. It's also the International hmm. Asperger's Year. Mumblecore was introduced into the English Dictionary. And more importantly, it was also the year that Shakira's hips were revealed to not lie. Oh, which is probably the biggest achievement of the year.
2: It it might be. I mean, I don't know, because then we have to listen to her music.
1: <laughs> I'm
2: not so much a fan, so you know.
1: I do find myself tapping my feet and sometimes shaking my hips to to some of the songs, but I also, also but also I don't understand Spanish, so a lot of it is lost on me.
2: True. Yes, but I can see the rhythm. But there was um the song that came out a few years later, with where she was like a wolf and like she howls she in the song. Yeah, I hate the way she ha- quote unquote howls. It is it is awful. And I was working at Fye at the time that album came out. I think, and it was like on the the CD for the store, so I had to hear it like on loop for several hours a day, and it was it was not enjoyable.
1: It's a very sort of a uh, it's a it's a it's an alluring howl. I think it's meant to be.
2: Uh, it did not do that for me, sir. Do you
1: fancy giving <laughs> it a giving it a go?
2: No, no, I do not.
1: <laughs> it's, it's worth a try, so. But 2006, let's do it. So, before we look at the cinematic story, here are some of the major events from throughout the world in the year 2006. In history, NASA's Stardust mission successfully ends, the first to return dust from a comet.
2: The Walt Disney Company buys Pixar Animation Studios from Lucasfilm uh, Limited for $7.4 billion. And now Pixar is a subsidiary of Walt Disney Pictures. The 2006 Winter Olympics are held in Turin, Italy. The United Nations General Assembly votes overwhelmingly to establish the United Nations Human Rights Council. NASA's Hassini Huygens spacecraft discovers geysers of a liquid substance shooting from
1: Saturn's moon, ah, Enceladus, signaling an impossible presence of water.
2: A sc- uh, scramjet jet engine, High shot the Third, I guess, designed to fly at seven times the speed of sound and successfully tested at Woomera, South Australia. The Yogyakarta earthquake shakes central Java, Indonesia, with an MSK
1: intensity of nine, destructive, leaving more than 5,700 dead and 37,000 wow. injured.
2: Montenegro declares independence after a referendum. The State Union of Serbia and Montenegro is dissolved on June 5th, leaving Serbia as the successor state.
1: The Fadenmor Salter, a Christian devo- devotional book, is found in a peat bog in Ireland, where it's been buried for approximately 1,200
2: years. Sony releases the PlayStation 3, and Nintendo releases the Wii. Nice. The In John's Favourite Sport, the 2006 FIFA <laughs> World Cup takes place in Germany, which is won by Italy. Hmm. The International uh, Astronomical Union defines planet as its 26th General Assembly, um, demoting Pluto to the status of dwarf planet more than 70 years after its discovery, which I believe has been rectified now.
1: I think it has been. So it's justice for Pluto. The (laughs) the Royal Thai Army overthrows the government of Prime Minister Taksin Shinawatra in a coup d'etat.
2: South oh man sorry uh if you've ever seen the movie hop every time i hear that word yes. i just it makes me um, think of jfk yeah uh, south korean ban uh sorry south korean ban ki moon is elected as the new secretary general of the united nations succeeding kofi anand number five 1948
1: by jackson pollock becomes the most expensive painting after it is sold privately for 140 million dollars
2: Former President of Iraq, Saddam Hussein, is sentenced to death by hanging by the Iraqi Special Tribunal. The execution took place on December 30th, 2006. Literally. Cannot believe it's that long ago, yeah. Uh,
1: the UK is finally set this Anglo-American loan uh, from post-World War II, finally paying America back.
2: Oh man. Uh, the Rolling Stones give a free concert with about 1.3 million people in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil.
1: They did get what they wanted. Uh, Wilson Pickett, Jay Diller, <laughs> Slobodan Milosevic, Desmond Decker, Billy Preston, Steve Irwin, James Brown, and President Gerald Ford all passed away in the year 2006.
2: Oh man, those are some big names. There is, um.
1: I picked some of those because I'm a massive fan of Wilson Pickett, Desmond Decker, and Billy Preston's music, and Jay Diller and uh, James Brown as well. But again, major moments in that year. I seem to get the ones which were unpronounceable this time.
2: Yeah, you did, like, that was, I was kind of thrown off for a second, I'm like, oh, usually I get the really hard-to-say names, and it seems like Matt got all of those.
1: Yeah, I I struggled with uh, a couple of them, but some big moments, especially in film, with uh, Pixar being bought by Disney, especially in light of Disney's uh, takeover of Fox recently.
2: Yeah, and I was, I didn't realise that um, Lucasfilms owned Pixar before Disney, Mm -hmm. which then Disney would just end up buying all of Lucasfilm anyways, so... You know, it started in two
1: thousand six. Yeah, so they bought Marvel for how? Well, I'm Marvel, they bought Marvel anyway. So they bought Star Wars for and and Lucasfilm for four billions. Pixar for seven. So they pretty much paid Lucas eleven billion dollars, pretty much eleven twelve billion dollars.
2: Yeah, and I mean they're they're about to get Fox now. It's eventually just going to be Disney. Yes, it's going to be yeah. <laughs> distributed
1: by guess who? Yeah. Oh well, well, that's another story for another time, because that, yeah. that could roll on. But some interesting facts about 2006. So, movie time, this is what we're here for. Before we find out whether or not 2006 was a good, bad, or middling year in film, we'll kick off with this. Top
2: 10 So, we're going to look at the top 10 films of 2006, starting with number 10 and working our way up. Um, The number 10 film from 2006... And this is based on um, the domestic gross, I believe, right? Uh, World or War. the worldwide gross. Worldwide gross. Excuse me. Sorry, folks. But we're going to start with a film that I actually don't think I've ever seen all the way through. And that's Happy Feet, uh, directed by George Miller, who would later bring us um, Mad Max Fury Road after he many years ago brought us the Mad Max series. stars um, Elijah Wood, Robin Williams, Brittany Murphy, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Hugo Weaving, Anthony LaPaglia. Um, oh boy Magda and Steve Irwin um, made 198 million uh, domestic and 384 million worldwide I, I just wasn't I wasn't brought in by tap dancing penguins but my daughter was only two so like she you know I think we we did own this movie at some point but I never sat and watched it I, I caught glimpses of it I was just never never compelled by it what about you
1: um, I love penguins. So I was drawn by the Tap Dancing Penguin and his Happy Little Face. Plus it has Elijah Wood uh, voicing yeah. the, the titular penguin, which is a draw for me, but I don't know, it's it's got as with most animated flicks, it's kind of folly to realise now, but it's got such a solid line up of the cast members.
2: Yeah, it does. It, I didn't realise all those people were in it.
1: No, I mean some animated films go for the tried and tested voice actors. And others, more prominently, will go for the big names, as with Happy Feet. So there's a massive name cast there. But yeah, I've only seen this once. I remember it had a bit that it had a standard story. You can, you know, it's, it's perfect three act structure. You know what's going to happen next, and you probably know how it's going to end. But I mean, the most the best part I found was there was an IBM server, far, server farm, which was basically it took four years to create just to render this film. It took oh, about wow. 19 million computer hours. To actually render this, this is what obviously twelve years ago now. So I imagine they've cut that down somewhat. Um, but it was it was okay. There's plenty of environmental messages throughout, so overfishing, ocean waste, the evils, if you will, of zoos and the purity of Antarctica. There's a lot of messages in it, but it's very cookie cutter. It's you know it's it's pleasing for for, for the children out there. It does take a darker turn halfway through with all these messages, but and there was meant to be an alien subplot. <laughs> during it oh. which i'm quite probably quite glad they didn't put in but i don't know happy feet was it's perfectly pleasant as a film it's certainly not the best animated film i've ever seen though the uh we'll find more about that later on but
2: it was serviceable it was fine there it is um yeah i you know i'm not planning on revisiting it <laughs> although when mad max fury road came out i was very shocked to realize that george miller had directed it from the Um, director
1: of happy feet
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i was like well okay um but obviously he'd done other stuff so the next movie i can't believe is on the list um because it is i think it's pretty reviled uh now but i guess when it came out there were people were excited about it and that's superman returns um directed by brian singer stars uh poor brandon routh (laughs) who had a, a career knockback because of this movie um just a little bit kate bosworth kevin spacey uh, which is you know we say now with hushed tones uh James Marsden Frank uh Frank Lange- Langella excuse me Eva Marie Saint which wow that uh, she's in this Parker Posey Cal Penn, uh Sam Huntington Tristan Lake LeBeau um 200 million domestic 391 million worldwide again i think most people will hate Superman returns now and i i've seen it um i did not see it in the theater i was not um you know, I, I have a special place in my heart for the Christopher Reeve Superman, but I don't think it's as great as some people act. And I definitely don't like two, three or four. Um, two's got some cool stuff. But overall, I mean, one's the one's the main one to watch. And so Superman Returns is an attempted uh, continuation of that Superman. And uh, it's, man, it's messy. It's sloppy. It's not good. And that's been my understanding of most people's opinions. But again, it's on number nine on this top ten list.
1: I guess, looking back now, when we have things like Man of Steel and Henry Cavill, who gives a completely different performance compared to this, because I think this film captured some of the, the Donner era, I guess, definitely f- fun at times, but the feel of it, because it was kind of yeah, a continuation, I think, of the second film, very loosely. Mm. Um, what I liked about it was that it wasn't an origin story. We just got straight into the story. We didn't need to know about yeah. how Supes got to who he was, where he came from. You know, uh, Brian Singer, who uh, ter- who turned down a chance to finish the X Men trilogy to- for this film. We all- I know he was very passionate about making Superman a thing in film, if you will. Sound like Mean Girls, but he yeah. want- he really wanted to make a classic Superman film. He didn't do it with this film. I'm slightly less uh, vitriolic than some. I didn't mind it. Again, I thought it's a solid outing. It it's it's got a singer all over it, it's much more character driven than it is action packed it mm. but it's not as it doesn't hold a candle to the x-men films he released before but well, it's and you, far too long oh. as well it's two and a half hours long which is far too long yeah. for this film
2: agreed and you gotta wonder if if this is this comes a year after batman begins and yeah. if maybe that because now we see a, the dc universe especially has really latched on to the tone that nolan created in those films so maybe this one being more of the boy scout superman movie didn't click when people were just seeing Batman and it was like gritty and dark. And even like really singers, X-Men movies are pretty gritty and dark compared to the, the Donner Superman, which is super like campy and boy scout. Um, so it might've just came at the wrong time too. Plus it has the flaws, like you mentioned, like being too long and stuff, but maybe people could have overlooked that if they were not, you know, cynical and upset. I mean, this is 2006, people were we were a little frustrated and angry the war was on for 5 years you yeah. know we were still kind of recovering from 911 so like it's you know it could just be that it was not totally the right film because now i think it's the opposite i think we're all like okay guys it can be happy again like it yeah. doesn't all have to be batman but um you know a year after batman begins which i think blew everybody away you know obviously the dark knights the best of that that franchise but um, yeah, I think Superman might have just come at the wrong time, and Singer also then obviously has had a troubled past, and so has Kevin Spacey. Um, both have been accused of various things. So
1: yes, probably probably whilst doing this film, knowing those guys, but um, both. But we must stress, both have been accused. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I totally agree with that. This film this is the last time we really saw Soups wearing his red pants. Or red red underwear yeah. over his tights. Sorry, over in the tights, for that's the, right. Uh, for the American listeners out there. But I th- to throw Brandon Routh the bone, I thought he looked a hell of a lot like Clark, and he looked like Christopher Reeve in some of the sets, oh, yeah. I thought. He just, and he bought a, I liked what he brought to the character when, when he wasn't being physical, if that makes sense. When he wasn't being, when he wasn't in the action scenes, when he was just being sort of sad Superman, I think mm. I thought he was very good. He brought a pathos, but I didn't quite buy him in the in the action scenes when they came.
2: You know, that's interesting because I I have seen him in a few other things. Like he's on um the CW, he's Adam in the Green Arrow series, mm-hmm. and then brought over to the Legends of Tomorrow. But um, my wife is a huge fan of the Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies. Yeah. Specifically, not the regular films, the Christmas ones. And he is in one. And it's the only one that I really like that of all the ones that I've suffered through with her, it's one that I actually like I can tolerate and it's because of him, and it is because it's it's heavily character driven. He has a nice kind of comedic charm about him. Um, uh, which I think plays really well in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And um yeah, as when he plays Todd Ingram. So I like him and I don't blame him for this movie not being great, but um, uh, he obviously, he's connected to it, so it always hurts him.
1: Yeah, and I think, and, to sum that, the film up, I think what you said is bang on, in the sense that it just came out at the wrong time, because I don't, it's just, it's, I, no, ha, I think you'd have to be a fool to call this the worst superhero film of all time, or anything like that. Yeah, I just think yeah. it's just suffered from, yeah, suffered from its own release date. Had it been a few years earlier, who knows? Had it been, you know, now, it yeah, could have been I, seen in a different
2: light. In 2010, when I was working at FYE, I had tons of these DVDs, and they, like, I had used and new, and they were all under $4. Like, we had tons of them. I could not get rid of them at, like, a super cheap price because it was such a, it had so much dislike and, you know, discontent. I am curious. I'd like to kind of want to rewatch it now, like, all these years, especially after Man of Steel and uh, Batman vs Superman and then Justice League, kind of compare Cavill and, and ralph superman and see what it's like
1: yeah i mean Cavill is careful is plays it with a lot less humor should we say yeah he's very sure. much straight up he, he wears a black or oh, so silver suit so but compared to ralph's more color it's, i guess films is more colorful and it plays up more to yeah the the what was set down in the earlier comics and with what richard Donner bought us in the 70s yep. and 80s so this kind of plays more into that so i can see why 12 years ago it wasn't looked upon with fond eyes especially as you say coming hot off the hills of nolan's batman begins which again yeah took took everyone me included by surprise of just how good it was and i guess this would be see and sort of the precedent set by those x-men films which singer directed i could see how then this would have been seen as probably quite a disappointing
2: step down and i mean if you compare it to like what was the last batman movie before batman begins batman and robin And so huge turnaround. So you look at like the last Superman movie to Superman Returns. Maybe you're expecting that kind of like rebranding and repolish and you don't get that. You just get a kind of like alternate uh, alternate alternate version of like Superman 2, as you said, and not the change that maybe people were hoping for. Um, Like because Batman begins completely reimagined the character again, like Tim Burton did with the first one of that you know, if you want to call that a quadrilogy or not, that's debatable, but... I try not to. Yeah, I try to forget. (laughs) Especially, I I have a soft spot in my heart for forever. Um, Can't stand Batman and Robin, though, but...
1: I hate Batman and Robin. If it wasn't for Alfred pretty much linking all four films, there would be be nothing to say they would be a quadrilogy.
2: Correct. Uh, Well, to be fair, Chris O'Donnell is in forever and Batman and Robin, but... yeah. yeah i know i know uh I feel I, real I, now. yeah let's move on um, let's do it so this is a, a kind of fun thing because this is mission impossible 3 is number eight on the top 10 from 2006 which we're in the midst of the summer of mission impossible fallout which we both loved so looking back mission impossible 3 in 2006 uh jj abram jj abrams first feature film yep, um and revitalizes this brand literally breathes life back into it after mtv almost ruined the franchise it with number two uh stars tom cruise philip seymour hoffman bing rames billy credup uh michelle monahan jonathan reese myers whose name i almost screwed up there carrie russell maggie q lawrence Fishburne, and introduces the most important character in all of mission impossible benji played by simon Pegg. um 134 million domestic 397 worldwide and obviously uh you know, we get Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and then Fallout um, to follow this movie. So thank you, JJ, for uh, making this movie, because it's, it's great. I just watched it for the first time um, about a month ago, like all the way through. Nice, yeah. Well, JJ
1: is quite good at revitalizing uh, franchises, I think. Um, yeah. I think No Way He Did Nine Years Later. Yeah, his first film, it's funny. Obviously, he's been on TV radius and Lost and that before before yep. this, but this is Infinitely better than Mission Impossible 2. That was an absolute crap fest. Yes, it is. almost killed, like you say, the franchise. And if it wasn't for J.J. J. Abrams' sheen, which covers this film, and the reintroduction of some very good set pieces, then this f- Ethan Hunt could have been long gone, basically. But, yeah, i I, I mentioned, it's got good action pieces. The story's a bit, bit, bit woo and a bit iffy at times. And I did find that the relationship between Cruz and Monaghan, I didn't think it was particularly good in this film. That was more, yeah. to, I think, that was more on Tom Cruise's shoulders than Michelle Monaghan, because I think she was very good in this film. However, yeah, this brought Mission Impossible three kicking and screaming back into it. And a quick shout out, obviously, to the great Philip Seymour Hoffman, because as a villain, he's restrained enough to not be full on ham, and um, but he's a very chilling presence.
2: Yeah, I mean. I'm going to hurt her like it's I've heard people make fun of his character, but I actually like that villain. And yeah. um, I, I'm also a big Billy Crudup fan, so I, I like having him in this movie. And uh, again, we get Benji because of JJ and he becomes such a vital part of the franchise after this. So uh, I, that alone, man, bringing Simon Pegg into this movie, because the first one, the De Palma one is is it's never really funny, you know, like there's no like laughable moments. And I feel like now you could, you could argue that they're action comedies. Like there's a lot of like serious dramatic moments, but then there's a lot of levity in the films. And I think that's what makes them so fun, you know, because you do have these exciting stunts, but then you also get those laughs in between the stunts or during the stunts. Like in fallout, there's a good uh, like sequence of stunts where uh, Benji's talking on a microphone and man, like (laughs) it, it, it just creates a lot of good humor. And, I don't know. It seems
1: with the story as well.
2: It really, yeah. It it's just it just seems like two people who are really close and know each other interacting, you know, and that's how it plays. And I, I think the chemistry between Cruz and um, even in this movie and three, because Benji's we see him early, but he doesn't really do anything. It's not until like the last act of the film that he gets to really work. And I, I, I think right shit. away, yeah, right away, him and Cruz just click, and they. It, I loved it, so uh, thank you, JJ.
1: If you told me back in what early 2000s that the guy from Spaced and things like Shaun of the Dead would mm-hmm. be rubbing shoulders and having such a great chemistry of Tom Cruise, I, w- I would have thought you were mad. Just be- I don't know, maybe it's just our English sensibility that Simon Pegg doesn't look like the action star, the film star, if you will, uh, but it's so good to obviously see him up there, you know, mm-hmm. on the same level in these films as... yeah, you yeah know, I mean- action legend and uh, all white teeth of tom cruise
2: yeah and simon Pegg is easily one of my favorite actors um i i'm i i don't think i've i don't know if i've expressed my love for edgar wright movies on this podcast i no, have no. watched Space. um spaced is one of i love that show and uh the resident evil episode is my favorite <laughs> but um i i just anything simon pegs in i'm going to probably give a chance and uh I'm glad I've, I've seen all of the mission possible movies now that with him in it, cause I just think they're excellent, but we, we can't gush too much about mission impossible. Let's move on to a uh, property you just mentioned and hmm. X-Men, the last stand, uh, not directed by Brian Singer, but instead directed by Brett Ratner um, stars, Hugh Jackman, of course, Halle Berry, Ian McKellen, uh, Ooh, Cage Jansen, Anna Paquin, Kelsey Grammer, James Marsden, Rebecca Romance, uh, excuse me, Sean Ashmore, Aaron Stanford, Vinnie Jones, Patrick Stewart, Ellen Page, two hundred thirty-four million uh, domestic, four hundred fifty-nine million worldwide, and I think, with the exception of X-Men: Apocalypse and X-Men: Origins, quote or uh, colon the Wolverine, um, this is the most hated of the X-Men movies uh, for a lot of reasons. Why the bl- Why the hell did
1: they cast Vinnie Jones as the Juggernaut?
2: Yeah, oh man,
1: he's uh over <laughs> here. He's he's just known as a as an ex footballer slash soccer player who had a penchant for you know getting sent off or just being a dirty player, and, uh, sa- and somehow and he, in his persona is made for lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. And that he's fine in that film because that kind of is Vinnie Jones. Mm. Why the hell they put him in this film and they didn't just get some you know, an actual beefy looking guy? With some kind of menace, because that juggernaut oh, is to every time I think of this film. Because this film has got it does have some excellent action moments and some really good X Men moments in this film, but yes. they're absolutely destroyed by moments like well, anything with Vinny Jones in it. This I mean, what Ratner bought is a, what he gave us was a film that wasn't as polished or as tight. As Singer's two previous films, the script was a bit of a mess. He crammed so much into this already quite bloated run, running time that mm. it just became a bit of a mess. But, like I said, there's some great moments in it involving Charles and Xavier um, and Famke Anson as Jean Grey. She, obviously, she's mental in this film, basically, because she's reached her powers. Yeah. And she yeah. cannot control them. But, but, I mean, what's this film? A cure's been found for mutants, which can, like, a, a, quote unquote, cure. Which can transform them back to normal humans and if, and they the mutants are given a choice. Take it and assimilate into society or be quarantined and live your life as a mutant but you you know, you can't interact with the normal people, which is fine. And the Kelsey Grammar's in it and he's very good. But there's just some there's something missing here throughout this whole film. What should have been a glorious end to this trilogy kind of ended up being a bit of a a bit of a letdown.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there are some really cool visuals in this movie, like mm-hmm. one of the um, Wolverine approaching uh, the Phoenix at one yes. point I think is really cool like visually, but there's like so many story weird things they do, and some very questionable choices are made with certain characters that apparently are completely retconned in the following trilogy, um, and I'm avoiding spoilers uh, even though you don't need to see this movie necessarily, but um, they have retconned most of it, in fact, at this point, but uh yeah it's it's one i didn't hate when i saw it in 2006 like and i was uh i love the first two x-men movies like a lot um or at least i did I, I i haven't seen them in a while i may they may not hold up but i think i still have fond memories of them and they're
1: still pretty still very good films i think
2: yeah and i i did not hate this one the first viewing and then there was later viewings i started to go well what's this and why did they do this and what's up with that and uh yeah it, it does not hold up um Unfortunately, because you do have some cool stuff in there. That's when we get Kitty Pride with Ellen Page, yes. which she gets to reprise that character a couple of times. Um, you know, there's some cool stuff there, but then there's some really uh, just some questionable character changes too. like characters do things that are just not who we've seen them be in other movies. It, it's 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 got some rough spots for sure, but they all have some. I mean, the, one of the worst line readings in any movie, in my opinion, is Halle Berry as storm in the first movie when she goes what happens to a toad when it's hit by lightning oh the same thing that happens to everything else it's just like oh yeah. oh why is that line even in this movie but the way she delivers it, it's awful too like it's just there
1: and then she went on to win an oscar
2: <laughs> not for yep. that film must not, not for right that it movie yeah saying. yeah but yeah so it sounds like both of us are kind of cold on on last stand so
1: yeah when i saw it at the cinema i came out and i was just kind of a bit bemused because i thought well I didn't feel like the previous for for a, even though it's not called X Men Three, it clearly is the it is the third part of a sequel. It didn't Mm. feel like the third part of a sequel. It just felt like a standalone film, which was loosely connected, which I guess the subsequent films also kind of feel like in a way. But there are yeah, there's some great moments in this. I mean, I've meant I've been doing a recap of uh, the X Men films, and I've prom I'm definitely not alone in thinking this. But any any scene with Sir Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart together is yeah, just gold. Yeah. And they what they bring to these films is unrivalled. And once again, Ian McKellen steals every scene he's in because that's yeah. just how good he is. And there's a, and there is, like I mentioned, a great scene with Xavier, Charles, uh, sorry, Xavier, Magneto and Phoenix, which is it becomes a better scene. Um m- because of their performances certainly in mckellen sure so obviously watch the film you'll see you know what i mean but those two together it's just a joy to watch them on screen battling dueling working it just excellent to watch so that's probably it's the int- best thing i could say about this film is those two are back on
2: yeah and it's it's kind of a joy to just watch them like in real life because they're like good friends and mm. every time i ever see any like pictures of them it's just awesome uh I, I do – um I kind of feel like if Magneto had been the centerpiece – because it's, it's kind of a combination. It's it's the X-Men movies, but Wolverine's the central character, in yeah. the, and it's his arc throughout the trilogy that's really who we're following, uh, which is, I think, part of the problem. I think he, his arc kind of ended in the second movie, and they, like, push him down another angle in the third movie. It's more about the love interest in the third movie. Um where if but magneto is also kind of the other character that we're watching his arc and his change and i mean that's always in the comics too but in the comics you have tons of time to work through all that stuff and here i think he's trying to like end it you know just cram everything in that he can and it does feel bloated at times so
1: yeah i think just on that quickly talk about arcs it's a sort of it's it's odd to see how far anna paquin and uh, rogue's arc felt because she was kind of the centerpiece of the first film you're right yeah and then in the second film she was absolutely relegated to supporting character and then this film she's pretty much there just to have the conundrum should she become a human so yeah. th- her and her boyfriend can have sex basically
2: yeah yeah that's the whole focus of her character is like well i can't have sex so you yeah. know clearly that's what i should do
1: without meaning to generalize on her character that is how she's written um, mm-hmm. So, Which is a shame, because I thought she was the weakest part, one of them, of that first film. But I was also, at the time, when it came out, very much in love with Anna Paquin. <laughs> um, uh, so I gave her a pass. But yeah. uh, I, I think she's okay as an actress. She got better anyway. And I just thought it was just very notable how they kind of sidelined her character as the films went on.
2: And yeah, Hugh Jackman would go on to make six more appearances <laughs> as Wolverine. So um, let's get into Cars uh the questionably you know one of the weaker pixar films i think on many people's standards but an enjoyable film nonetheless it's directed by john lasseter of course uh Mm -hmm. starring owen wilson paul newman uh bonnie hunt and larry the cable guy which few movies on a top 10 list are going to star larry the cable guy (laughs) uh domestic gross is 244 million worldwide 462 which is about average for a, a summer pixar film um like i think incredibles 2 this year is almost at 600 million domestic uh so you know not so great i guess by it is obviously inflation but um i saw cars in the theater with my daughter uh it was one of the first movies we took her to um because that we had a a dollar theater still at the time so like all the movies the second not second run but like they would trickle down right before dvd release. they'd end up at this local mugs and movies theater we had where you could get like food and, and drinks and whatnot. And it was more kid friendly because it was only a buck. People were kind of already had seen it, so we would take her to the, that theater and we saw Cars there. And I liked it; I thought it was really good. And I still, I still think the first one holds up pretty well. Um, I didn't like the second one at all, like the third one. But what about you?
1: Yeah, I didn't like the second one, but I really didn't like the third one. By the time the third one came out, I did. You did. I just start to think that I'm really, really stretching this out now. But yeah. It's it's also just on a side note, um, going down another rabbit hole, but it's funny you mentioned John Lassenter. Somebody else has been accused of misdemeanors yeah. going forward. Yeah. It's funny looking back we're only 12 years ago, but you know, back then we just took these people to face value and thought, wow, great director, producer, Kevin Spacey, great actor. But yeah, looking back with uh, a different view now. However, back to the arts, which is Cars, yeah, I thought it was a good film. It looked great. It was yeah. a bit hollow, I think, compared to the other Pixar offerings but I think that's more to the fact that the other Pixar offerings are so good that when that you get a true. film like Cars which is just pretty damn good, it's almost like a disappointment but Cars is a good film I enjoyed it, 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 it is. did, I'll stress again it looked fantastic yeah the franchise as a whole isn't peak Pixar. Yeah. I do
2: and... think Owen Wilson does a really good job as Lightning McQueen though. Like, I really do like that character a yeah, lot yeah the voice like...
1: work is fine as well I mm-hmm. found that the characters worked in the film but once, but if you ask me to name them, I can't other than Lightning McQueen and maybe Doc because he shares my surname. I you
2: mean, can't just, name char- Mater. Come on, man! I'd it's Mater. For- I'd forgotten about Mater. <laughs> but I
1: mean, the other ones I can't remember. Because yeah, no. Whereas other other Pixar films like Toy Story, everybody knows Rex. Everybody knows Ham. Bo Pe- Everybody knows those characters. But I yep. don't know the the uh, supporting characters in cars.
2: That's true. Even I mean, like, even, like Finding Nemo, like the. I'm not going to remember his name right now, but the turtle <laughs> who has got a really sm- a minor role, yeah, like we st- we know I can describe him. Where there is that, you know, there's the the pothead hippie, which is uh, Chong, plays him in Cars, and like uh, I think it's I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's Cheech. One one of the, one or both of them is in that movie. Um, and then there's Luigi, which I actually referenced the other day. I don't remember why somebody made a joke about like forklifts and cars, and I was like, "Oh, like Luigi and my my daughter completely blank faced me." I'm just like, <laughs> "From Cars, come on!" Like he's the. I would have given the, the same
1: face as your daughter.
2: Yeah, see, I guess I watched it maybe too many times. I don't know, um, but I, I am a Pixar fan. Like I, yeah. I don't think there's, I, I like I mentioned the sequels I don't like, but I think most of the films in the Pixar library I am a fan of, um, and I do like this one, but. Uh, definitely i think being number six in the top 10 sounds about right although there is another animated movie later on that i i'm a little shocked is ahead of this um and I'm one that we'll talk about later
1: is, but
2: yeah yeah one well, one we'll talk about later not in the top 10 that i think should be um and i think is maybe one of the more forgotten animated films that is excellent but we'll get to that much much later yeah. um i
1: think the turtle's called crush by the way in finding nemo
2: i think you are correct i, I believe better. that was it
1: but yeah, Cars. I liked Cars. I thought the ending was awesome. It plodded a little bit. It was. It was. Uh, it was stuck in first gear, if you will. But but the ending, I thought, was very good. But no, I thought Cars was good. I just think it suffered from having its predecessors in Pixar be so brilliant that it because it's not at to that level, it's viewed as a disappointment. But it's not a disappointing film. But yeah, I think sixth place is just about right, though. Yeah. I think it should be higher than the one that's coming later.
2: If if listeners, if you're not familiar, uh, Matt is, is not American, and I am. And <laughs> I now have to ask a question because I am curious. Is uh, NASCAR or race car driving in general popular? Um, NASCAR,
1: you? no, Formula One is. Um, yes. Formula One yeah. Grand Prix and things like motocross and um, motorbike racing. I can't think what it's called now. But, but basically, F1 is the most popular one i'm probably forgetting some but that's the main one nascar doesn't really have a presence in it over here
2: uh, yeah and, i mean it's american it's through, like, and through nfl it, like. etc yeah
1: there are sort of uh, variations of it or like local mm-hmm. events which like um ape that but f1's really the main one and if i am forgetting one then blow me down but that's yeah that's the main one
2: yeah and i mean i was I, I was aware of like obviously i knew there was racing but i was thinking like i guess stock car i'm not that big of a fan of racing in general but i do i do think cars has got that american kind of it's clearly meant to be parroting nascar to a degree and you know i was they have some voices of actual nascar drivers do some like cameos and stuff like that so uh, i don't know if that um affected it's maybe worldwide a little bit Um, i think things like obviously everybody
1: everybody knows the indy 500 and it kind of from an english point of view that has a kind of odd, almost like romantic vision of the Indy 500 and the cars going around and the colours and the spectacle. So in a way it could, it could have played into it. I don't think, I don't think two and three would have benefited because once we'd seen it, once we'd seen it enough. Mm, but True. There is, a, again, I can't speak for the United Kingdom, even though I try there, there is a vision of the, those kind of big races being, yeah, very much Americana, but there's mm. a gravitation towards it. But, over here, even though we don't follow it. I think it's more for the image and the you know, the spectacle rather than the actual event.
2: Yeah. Well, um well, I now I have a big question on the next movie. Um oh my god, I just realized who he was. Uh the next movie is Night at the Museum and uh directed by Sean Levy uh Levy or Levy, I think it's Levy. Um stars Ben Stiller, Carla Gugino, Dick Van Dyke, Robin Williams, Steve Coogan, Crystal the Monkey, Ricky Gervais, Mickey Rooney Rami Malek and of course Owen Wilson's left off of this list but I gotta mention him again because it's back-to-back movies for him yeah. um 250 million domestic 574 worldwide I really like this movie um still actually it's one of a uh, few Ben Stiller comedies that I'm a fan of um but let's start with you what What do you think of Night at the Museum <sighs> mm. <laughs> I didn't like this film at all oh um, man I
1: went to see it again when it came out I think I saw all of these films when they came out the cinema. Um I don't I just there's something I didn't f I just didn't like it then and I've rewatched it since and I just found it to be for me anyway, a bit of a slog. I didn't find it particularly very funny, which is what when I had when you realize it's Ben Stiller, Robin Williams, as cameos from Steve Cougars in it, Ricky Gervais, uh yeah. and Will Wilson uh. as you mentioned, all these but like, comic comedy, you know, geniuses if you will, or um mm-hmm. high class comic actors. I just didn't find it all that funny and Oh man, I, I've grown to appreciate Ben Stiller more. I think that's. I think I prefer him in his serious roles more. Me too. Me too. But very I, much. I couldn't. I couldn't latch onto his character in this film. And I this film's got um, like a dinosaur skeleton going mad. It's got toy cowboys and Roy Romans mm-hmm. and the cheeky monkey. Got, uh, everything which should be, you know, fairly pleasing, but i just couldn't i just didn't like this film then and i don't think i do now still
2: well i forever um because when uh rami malik was uh mr robot first came out this was i kept thinking of him in this and then when he was announced as um uh for the behemoth rhapsody for s freddie mercury i was like oh my god it's the guy it's the the pharaoh and then um (laughs) i i'm robin williams generally just makes me laugh i am a big fan of his i just realized though i i kind of out loud came up with the realization but i didn't say what um steve coogan keeps popping up for me like i'm realizing i'm a big fan of the uh the the tour like the um or the trip excuse me sorry the trip um yeah oh god rob ryden cracks me up in those movies but um (laughs) i just keep like i don't i can't remember what film it was yesterday but i was like thinking about i was looking at a film on imdb or something i was like oh steve coogan's in this and then it clicked who he was and that just happened again i'm like Steve Coogins and and I was like, oh my god, he's a Centurion. Like it never clicked who the Centurion was until like right now. And I was like, oh man, because he's him and Owen Wilson are I think the funniest part of the movie. Um I love their their little like rivalry of the cowboy and the centurion dioramas and whatnot. Um Yeah, and and actually throughout the I didn't I never saw the third one. I do like the second one though, quite a bit. Um Amy Adams shows up as uh Jane Eyre. Not Jane of Eyre, that's wrong. She does. What the heck is her name? I don't um, who she plays, but I forgot she's Amelia like, Earhart. Yeah. Amelia Earhart. I completely forgot who's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Because uh, she's kind of transformative in that movie. She she feels like she's pulled out of history. She's playing that that character so well, um, and I I really really like the second one. And then you get um, what's his name? That's uh oh, I'm like just blanking on everything. Oh well, it, I really like the second one a lot. So the first one has a special place i do think the first one slogs at times though because they really hit the the drama between like him and his son and and all of that um but i think the second one's just a little more fun it's a little sillier you get the darth vader like cameo in that one so <laughs> uh I, but i do think the first one's a good starting point i i i did bail on the third one though so
1: i yeah, i think the second yeah the second one is more what i would have wanted from the first one it, like yeah, it's it's more it's just a bit fun, a bit more, a bit sillier. But just yeah. A film about a cursed museum well, with all uh, these strange things going on, like I've just mentioned, should be pretty, pretty funny. I didn't find this one was. Second one I thought was better, funnier, yeah.
2: The first one they have to juggle a lot of tones too because it mm-hmm. starts off as like a family drama and then he gets the job at the museum and then it's almost like a horror movie when everything first comes to life. He's kind of shocked and terrified. And so the second one, he's comfortable with everything. So there's – it's more of just him and his element where this one has, like, that – there's a transition period before it gets to, like, the humor where he's comfortable. And then there is that whole the, – the main story arc of the film, which involves Dick Van Dyke's character and, and Mickey Rooney's character. But I do like Ricky Gervais as his boss, though, because he's – Ricky Gervais is good at that, like, snarky, <laughs> sharp – Yeah. All right. That's enough Night of Night at a Museum. Let's talk about my favorite – James Bond film Casino Royale um, comes uh, directed by Martin Campbell the first appearance is Daniel Craig in the role of 007 uh, with Eva Green Mads Mikkelsen as a awesome villain uh, Giancarlo G- uh, Gianni Jeffrey Wright and Judy Dench the Dame Judy Dench Damn. you can't go wrong uh, 167 uh, world uh, domestic 599 worldwide of course because Bond brings the bucks um, I I have never been a huge bond fan until this movie and i i i know it's not popular daniel craig is my favorite bond um i don't know what it is about him he won me over plus the freaking opening chase sequence of parkour is so good i've i've shown it like every year that i've taught in my film class uh, just that clip because it's so amazing um yeah I, i'm a big big fan of casino royale what about you
1: yeah, same. I was absolutely blown away in the cinema by this. I know there's people have had a lot of people have a few issues with the story itself, but pfft, I thought it was excellent. How this yeah. <laughs> wasn't rated R, I don't know because yeah. this Bond Craig is—he looks like he'd snap your neck and then drink a martini standing over your corpse. He's—he's just—he's got that lunatic eyes. He does, dude. Totally. It, it doesn't matter if the enemy's got a gun or not. He'll kill. He'll kill him anyway. There's drownings, gunshots, stabbings, explosions. Someone gets a nail gun through the eye, choking. You know, this is um, testicle torture. This film is brutal, and yeah, Mads Mikkelsen as lashif the villain, is just excellent. This is one of my first real introductions to Mads Mikkelsen. Me too. And even now, when I see him, even in Rogue One. Uh, and in Doctor Strange recently, things like that, I still always think back to when I saw him in Casino Royale thinking, this guy has got a presence about him, which for a Bond villain, we all know of Jaws and Job and that, but this was a Bond villain with a real sinister presence about him. Yeah, there's a menace that just like... Exactly. He works so well. Vespa Lind, which is uh, Eva Green's character, she's a Bond girl. Um, She's there. In 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 the end, you probably guess where they go with those two. Um, yep. But Eva Green's a fabulous, stunningly uh, beautiful lady, fantastic uh-huh. actress. So to get that kind of level of actress into the film will never be a bad thing. But yeah, great set pieces. The card the card game, the poker game is full of tension. The, uh, the yeah, chases yeah. and action are all ramped up, and it's just grittier than anything we'd we'd seen before in in the Bond universe
2: yeah um i i really just uh this one and then you get quantum of solace which is Mm. just not comparable and then skyfall is really good skyfall is awesome and then specter just such a freaking letdown um so i'm very hopeful for this fifth uh craig movie because the rate we're going it's going to be excellent um but you know we'll see what happens but uh casino royale really it does change the bond universe quite a bit it um it's almost as if batman begins inspired it because it's definitely a grittier Mm -hmm. tougher bond than what we've seen in the past he's not rocking the tux all the time um doesn't he do heineken instead of a martini in this one it
1: does yeah Uh, and it's it's him coming out of the water in the but in the bathing suit
2: yes yeah so some changes um but obviously matt and i big fans of casino royale um if for some reason you were like me and maybe you just never got into the bond movies this is a good entry point because this one won me over for sure
1: yeah it's a, it's a different feel the original, the older bond films are still great with their in their own sort of charming way but this is bond now
2: yeah it's a mo- it feels modern like it yeah. feels like it fits perfectly into today's world um and it's interesting i didn't realize casino royale and mission impossible 3 came out the same year and uh both spy movies very different um takes so obviously Mission Impossible gets a little more humor in it and I think uh, 007 gets a little more gritty and serious over the time since this the, these releases so and both
1: of them get a shot on the arm with films that kind of brought the franchises back, back to a respectable level
2: for sure because the last Bronson one did not do uh, so well no. overall um, which is interesting because our, uh, our last episode I believe we did 2002 right yep die another day and uh and and Ice Age was on the top 10 and we're looking at Ice Age Meltdown on this one the uh, the sequel 4 years later um directed by Carlos Saldana is number 3 number 3 on the list i think it was number 8 on the 2002 it was. list uh stars Ray Romano, John Leguizamo, Dennis Leary, Sean William Scott which i didn't realize Queen Latifah 195 domestic but the world just ate it up and i'm guessing it's because of scrat 660 million worldwide That's for the incredible. second ice age movie wow indeed right <laughs> like, scratch the mvp of this
1: film again uh yeah for me anyway i don't know i'm still amazed that this franchise has five movies let alone the fact that this is the third biggest film there not to again i i say this every show but not to if if ever if, if people are out there listening who love this film awesome the good, that's what... The, thats You know, yeah, it's up there for a reason. It didn't work for me. it's subjective, yep. Yeah, it's just, for me, I don't think it's as well-written or as functional as the first... functioning as the first film. It seems a bit sort of stitched together and very much a sequel which was made in response to the box office of the first one, not because the story demanded it.
2: Yeah, and I, um i i barely remember the second one like i think i might just mix what the ones i've seen as in one like one film at this point because like, i've not watched them in years i'm not a big fan of any of them and let's i i, I like ray romano in certain roles but he's a voice actor really like that's mm. not the thing i want from ray romano <laughs> like i don't want to hear him but we get stifler or uh,
1: or like me you like the goon films you get doug glatt and sean williams scott uh.
2: I love Goon. I haven't seen the second one. The second one things. is
1: actually not very good, but the first one yeah, is.
2: Yeah, the first one's fantastic. I, not enough people have seen Goon. And I, I'm a fan of Sean William Scott. role models, one of my yeah. favorite comedies. And I defend Cop Out. I don't think it's great or even maybe good. But there are some <laughs> really funny moments in Cop Out. And Sean William Scott is one of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I like him in a lot of stuff. Uh, but I think I'm done with Ice Age. I can't believe it's number three let's move on to number two shall we Yeah,
1: yes considering what came before i can't believe this is number three but yeah,
2: yeah on to number two yeah oh god good point um the da vinci code which uh directed by ron howard stars tom hanks audrey Tautou, uh which i'm sure i mispronounced ian mckellen oh ian mckellen alfred molina uh jurgen prachow jean reno and paul bettany a huge cast for this uh this film Um, it is the first of the films though right and it's they went out of order in the books Uh, the books it's supposed to be angels and demons and then the da vinci code they did the da vinci code first because of how successful the book was and then they would do angels and demons where we get ewan mcgregor who's fantastic in that movie i still think that movie's underrated i like the da vinci code um it made 217 million domestic 758 million worldwide so just over just under 100 million more than ice age the meltdown yeah man uh the da Vinci code what i like it what about you i remember when dan brown's book started
1: to get prominence it was phenomenal how yeah, it much was. hype the books got and then they said they were having a film and tom hanks was playing the lead role and um the guys name frank langdon robert langdon having tom hanks in it and ron howard's directing it it seemed like a match made in heaven yeah, the film wasn't as good as I hoped it was. It's not a bad movie, like people will say. it is. for me, it, yeah, it's just it's, you know it's average enough. It's just not enough energy to it. But it's certainly not a bad film. I just think no. again, similar to Cars and Superman, I just think it it was a victim of the su- the hype and success that the book had. Because um, the book itself was very cinematic. The book felt like watching a film. It was. It painted a very vivid image. Of where the characters were, it had it built up the tension very well. The chapters are very short and mm. snappy, but yeah, I, there are parts of it which I, 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 Tom Hanks doesn't, to me, doesn't look overly interested here. Or maybe that's just the way yeah. he's playing the character. Ian McKellen, and I don't decide. I think he's good when he comes in, and yeah. Paul Bettany's good as well. He's Paul Bettany brings a sort of a touch of Macabre to the film, but I liked the film. It. Yeah, I, if remembering the hype though I guess it's I don't think it's too much to say I thought it could have been better
2: yeah no I I agree I I, I love the books I actually uh I kind of owe Dan Brown because he got me back to Because I I was never a big reader in um high school or even in college and uh I think it was around 2004 2005 I was playing in a band and my drummer let me borrow Angels and Demons and I read it and was like, "Oh my god, this is so good." I really and I went and bought The Da Vinci Code and read that. And I ended up reading um his other books that weren't about Robert Langdon. They were similar kind of, you know, political thrillers. Um and I liked those as well. And I was out of books cuz he he doesn't write fast. Uh he's he had, at the time he only had four books total. And so I I he made me start reading and I, I branched out and found all these other books, but um I liked The Da Vinci Code. I definitely don't think it's perfect. Um it, I don't think it holds up either. Uh, I do like Angels and Demons. I think that one holds up a little better, and the the last one, which I can't even remember Inferno. the name of it. Oh my god, that was that so was bad. bad, so so bad. And um, I really want it to be good because I love Tom Hanks, and I love I actually really love the character of Robert Langdon. But it it it's gotten pretty ridiculous. Um, as far as like the situations he keeps finding himself in, it's just like come on, movies and books. <laughs> like it, he just he can't keep ending up there. But I do want to point out if you were like me and you avoided foreign films because you couldn't handle subtitles um audrey Tautou is a good introduction to an amazing actress amelie is one of my favorite films and she's such a great actress um i don't really remember her being necessarily great in the da vinci code but she is so great in amelie so if you haven't seen amelie and you're a fan of the da vinci code check out amelie just to give her uh her her due because she is so good in that movie
1: yeah agreed uh also check out she's in dirty dirty pretty things as well which is she's very good in that film but i need to watch that and again yeah if you don't watch foreign films because of subtitles jump on the bandwagon because you're missing some of the best films you'll ever see for sure into i mean foreign films or just films i guess we could call them but international films whatever uh foreign language films then i find they're not restricted by you know the you know, sort of the crippling pressure the studios put on them, so they can be a bit more out there, or they can push some boundaries a bit more. Not just in terms of you know shock value, but in terms of story and where they go, and pushing their actors mm-hmm. to be the best they can be. So if, if you haven't seen or aren't into foreign language films, check yeah. it out because in end of the day they're just films. You know, it's made by somebody yeah. behind a camera. They're films. Check them out. But yeah, the Da Vinci Code. I, yeah, I thought it was good. I didn't think there was enough mystery here. It was kind of a bit at times. It was a bit. Yeah. like, There's a conundrum. Uh oh. Actually, no. Let's quickly solve it and move on to the next one. But
2: this in the movie, especially, it plays yes. more like an action film. Um, and yes, it is, right. I guess, but that's why I like Angels and Demons better. They they let the mystery kind of play out a little more. Um, it's still not as good as the book. Uh, but it does. They do a little more of the intrigue and mystery solving because that's the thing. He's a cryptographer. He's supposed to be good at solving challenging puzzles and like they kind of they they actually trim a whole puzzle section out of the book for the movie which frustrated me when i saw it because i one of the few times that i ever uttered the phrase that the book is better than the movie but Mm -hmm. um it definitely is so let's get to number one
1: yeah let's do it
2: number one is a sequel of a trilogy that then became what now we have five movies um pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest not surprised that this movie made so much money in the box office after the success of Curse of the Black Pearl. Directed by Gore Verbinski, who would later bring us uh, such tremendously great films like that. I've now forgot the name of it with Dane Kill DeHaan. That's what it was. Um, Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley, Bill Nighy, Jack Davenport, Stellan Skarsgård, Kevin McNally, and Jonathan Price. Um, and the guy that plays the Dwight equivalent character on The Office. Uh, domestic gross <laughs> um, $423 million worldwide one billion dollars um which is i don't know wh- what number on the list it hits uh for all time but that is up there i think um, it's
1: 25 i think at the minute
2: yeah because it there it might have been one of the first billion dollar films i'm not sure what third film third okay wow you got all that look at you uh <laughs> uh i i really 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 like um captain barbosa a whole lot in the pirates movies like jeffrey rush isn't it yeah yeah far more than um than i I like jack sparrow but i'm i'm actually a captain barbosa fan like that's he's my draw for the pirates franchise more so than that um but i gotta say davy jones is also pretty awesome i and honestly i don't think i realized it was bill nighy and i should have because i totally hear it now like when I think about like him speaking like I'm like, oh yeah, clearly that's Bill Nighy, but the the squid face man you don't you don't really <laughs> see it, you know um but i i I like the Pirates trilogy. I actually am a defender of the second and the third. I don't think they're perfect, but I have a lot of fun with the movies, and they they they're all a little long, they could all bear yes. for some trimming, but i I do I think that's one of Depp's best characters, um. Orlando Bloom's cool. There there's some there's some meh moments, but um I I love the villains. I love Barbosa and I love uh Davy Jones a lot. Um again, there's some problems. Don't get me wrong, but I I have a good time with these movies. I haven't watched them in a, in a few years and I hated Dead Man Tells No Tales uh so so much. But <laughs> yeah, they've kind of
1: become the Jack Sparrow show too yeah. much as I went on because I thought in the first film, you know, he's kind of uh, guy from Rolling Stones I can't think of the guy's name the impersonation he pulls of him works well and he's good in this film because I mean it clearly starts becoming the Jack Sparrow Johnny Depp show but yeah I I think when At World's End came out the third film I think it kind of rendered this film a bit a bit filler I think mm. but I, I thought it was okay I mean, yeah, like I say, there are other problems. The story's a bit messy, the writing isn't excellent, but there are still plenty of fun moments, and good comedy to find. Again, it's usually linked to Jack Sparrow. Uh, There's a great moment on, involving him in a skewer, and and which is very, very funny. But this is a furiously popular franchise. People people rush out to see these films, and um, even now, with uh, Dead Men Till No Tales, the box office is still high for that film, but yeah, I like this film. Bill Nighy is very good in this film. Jack Sparrow is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of did f- try to find a way to bring all the characters back in again, which is a bit yeah. strange. But it, yeah, it had it. It I get it felt like a second a sequel as part of a trilogy. It had that kind of downbeat feel to it. It felt like it was leading to something else, but it was well, and- it was a good enough film. I thought it was okay. Yeah.
2: And I, I don't think it was a planned trilogy. I don't think they expected the first one to do what no, it did. Yeah. And the first one is really great. Like there's some awesome stuff in that in The Curse of the Black Pearl. Again, a lot of it falls to Barbosa though. And um the, I, I I think you can you can kind of feel that with this one that it's not it's not like Empire or um The Second Lord of the Rings movie that I can't think of what it's called right Two now. Two Towers. Two Towers where like you that's clearly a planned story arc yeah. versus um or at least it feels like a planned story arc where this feels like a follow-up
1: to start with was it
2: i don't believe so my understanding is lucas didn't think he could get star wars made (laughs) much less have three of them or six of them or now nine of them you know so uh well i guess lucas doesn't have nine of them but um (laughs) i i think the pirates films have some merit they're all fun Uh, i i've actually skipped the fourth one um the whatever the stranger tides or whatever it was and then stranger tides yeah I did catch the fifth one, and, oh man, the fifth one. Even, how do you make Javier Bardem bad?
1: I thought, you know, when he was introduced in the very first teaser trailer, I thought he looked badass, I thought he looked gross. Yeah, and yeah. And then the film
2: came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they just wasted him. Like, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like uh, Inspector with, um, oh, with, the, I'm gonna, yeah, I can't think of his name, what the crap. Uh, Christopher Waltz. or Christopher Christoph Waltz, yeah. How do you make him boring? He's amazing. Yeah, they do. Uh, But that's our top ten for two thousand and six. Yeah, so top ten this time. I think we previously we've done
1: nineteen eighty eight and two thousand and two, and I think we both came to the agreement that two thousand and two was the best so far. Then nineteen eighty eight, both having um, for the majority the middle of the lists were stronger than negative. Whereas yeah. 2006 what's for the top 10. What's your kind of top level thought now?
2: I mean, there's some, there's some crap in this, right? Yeah. And then when we get into the notable releases here in a moment, I think we can make some strong arguments that there are way better movies that came out that year than what are on this top 10, especially that number three movie like ice age is by no means the best animated film that came out that year. And I'm going to argue that neither is cars. And or Happy Feet. Like there's a better animated film that I don't think enough people have seen, or at least the box office says that not enough people have seen um at when it came out. Uh that maybe has even been forgotten. I, I haven't seen it in a while, so maybe I'm gonna be talking too much uh, you know, hype. But <laughs> yeah, um
1: you're setting the wheels in motion now, but Yeah, yeah but I agree. It's... This is a strange top I don't I wasn't I don't think this is a particularly good top ten to be honest. I it for all the money these films made Casino Royale was good. Mission Impossible 3, I I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Oh, um, yeah, big time. Yeah, Pirates, Pirates was good, fine.
2: Yeah. Well, and of the movies here, you only have Night at the Museum, Cars, and Happy Feet that are true original properties, yeah. where they're not based on a book. Because like, Da Vinci Code is the first movie of the, the the cinema world of Dan Brown's books, but it was based on a, as you mentioned, crazy popular book. So that movie got money because of that. But these every other movie on this list is either a sequel or part of a franchise that is extended past sequel territory. Um, you know, and that's maybe that's where why they made so much money though, because they were built in properties that already had fan bases. So people went to see Superman Returns because it was well the return of Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the title ruined that movie because it is kind of like on the nose. Like yeah, okay. He does, um, but yeah, uh, it's it's not the best top ten list. I think, especially again, I think there's some pretty solid films that we're going to talk about on the next uh, next segment.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's an underwhelming top ten list, but like you, as you've as you've just alluded to, that's the top ten sorted. So let's find out what uh, what else grey star screens in two thousand and six hitting the screen. So, notable releases. We've been through the top 10. What else came out in 2006? Uh, John said there was an animated film you mentioned. Now, I can only assume it's got to be Curious George, no?
2: No, definitely (laughs) not. Um, In fact, I don't know if I've sat through that or not. Um, The one that I'm looking at and it caught my eye immediately because I have such fond memories of it is Over the Hedge. Um, I think it is directed by Tim Johnson, Kerry Kirkpatrick, stars... Bruce Willis, who I have admitted having a weak spot for. I do like a lot of his movies that are questionable. Yeah, Gary (laughs) Shandling, Steve Carell, Juana Sykes, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. I mean, there's a duo right there. Uh, Will Shatner, Avril Lavigne. Okay, I'll slow down on that one. Nick Nolte, Thomas Hayden Church, Allison Janney. I mean, come on. She's so freaking great and everything. I loved this movie. Uh, The Raccoon, which is Bruce. Um, There's so many good moments, lots of fun. Um, this is again, one of the theaters we took my daughter to see at mugs and movies and I know we bought it and I I watched this many, many times. I think I even showed it to some of my students, um, before I was teaching film, I think I showed it like as like a reward, like before Christmas vacation kind of thing. Um, but I just, I just thought it was so good and it's been a while since I watched it, but I feel like it's one that just got forgotten about because it wasn't one of the big studios. I don't think it's, um, it, might have been Illumination I'm going to try to find out here real quick but I, think I don't it remember it being connected to anything major at the time
1: I'd shamefully forgotten all about Over the Hedge so I was I was thinking what film do you mean uh, ah. and then you mention it and I, I saw it way back when and yeah Avril Levine's in it god bless her um, but I seem to I I seem to remember enjoying Over the, Over the Hedge more than I did Ice Age 3 uh, more than yes. I did Happy Feet and more than I did Cars
2: Exactly. Um, and, you know, I mean, Bruce Willis is actually really good in this as the raccoon, uh, RJ. Um, and I think I would say, oh, yes, Hammy's uh, Steve Carell is the the squirrel. Um, and I think Gary Shanling is the uh, the leader of like the community because RJ kind of, you know, tries to manipulate this group of other animals. And I mean, it's there's a lot of memorable moments. I think Wanda Sykes is the skunk, um, Stella. Oh, man. I just really, really like this film. Again, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, It has a 67 Metascore. I don't see what animation studio this is from, and IMDb is not uh, helping me find it. But, um, yeah, if you skipped it and you're like, Ice Age is a great movie, I say give this a go. Maybe you'll find uh, some some joy in this. But that's one on the list that immediately I was like, wow, that one stands out. Um, Do you want me to just go through other ones, or do you want to... Go back and forth with uh, some notables.
1: Well, um, first, uh, over DreamWorks Animation via Paramount Pictures. Oh, um there you Pictures. go. Um, let's just go down the list because I think there's the notable releases is f- far better than what we got in the top ten. St- whatever you may think of this f- the, on the first top of the list is hostile. I mean, that's probably more recognizable than most of the films on that top ten.
2: It is. Although I have to say, the first uh, ten movies I skipped, <laughs> um, I have not seen. Actually. I guess I've seen parts of Underworld Evolution, but I definitely have not sat through the whole thing. I loved the first one, and I just could never get into any of the sequels. I did sit through all of Rise of the Lycans, um, but I didn't liken it very much. And, um, yeah, Hostile, I, I kind of passed off as a knockoff saw.
1: Yeah, kind of, pretty much. So it I was the same I just, torture porn, if you will.
2: Yes, it was in that time period where that's what we were getting for horror films and i was just kind of checked out on it because we do get saw 3 that year so i kind of was like whatever Hostel, i'm going to stick with saw <laughs> um I, I think i may have seen nanny mcphee but never in its entirety i think i watch it with like my younger cousins or something like so yeah, i'm sorry i don't want to just power through i've just powered through a couple there no, yes i uh, know uh, i
1: mean it, 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 for everybody out there there's a long old list of notable releases for whether that's good or bad films, but there's so many. So, it, you know, it will just be, it that up being a case of this film came out, this film in The Hills of Eyes. Thank you for smoking. Fever Vendetta came out this year, which I oh really Oh my loved. goodness.
2: I love that movie. Yeah, huge. It's written by the Wachowskis, um, but not directed by them, directed by James McTeague. But then you get Hugo Weaving in a leading role. Yes. And awesome performance from Natalie Portman. Um, I, I actually just watched this, in its entirety i think a year or two ago and i i'm a huge fan now um in fact one of my coworkers uh is going to be teaching the graphic novel um in his english class nice. at our school so a pretty cool uh little crossover there yeah, um i bought it on dvd
1: not probably about a year or so after it came out at the cinema because i thought i'd heard about it and i thought the front cover looked cool and i'm glad i mm-hmm. did because it's it's awesome
2: yeah it's really cool and. It's super stylized and uh, obviously has the iconic mask. Yeah. Um. And several quotable lines in the film. Um. Super. Uh, just great. Um. Even she's the man is funny. It's not great, but there's some funny stuff in it. Amanda Bynes, very young Channing Tatum, um, who has proven time and time again that he's a funny actor. Um. I. I. You know. It's a rehash story. Girl dressing up as a guy to play sports, but, you know, it's there. Yeah, Inside
1: um, Man came out. Spike Lee, and Denzel. that's on my gap
2: list. Uh, that's one I need to watch. Still, I I own it. Um, in the last year or so, I've purchased it, but I've not watched it still. So I need to get to it.
1: I haven't seen Black Klansman, but a lot of people are saying that this Praise. that is Spike Lee's best film since Inside Man. Oh, so if if that's any way to any any to judge by, you should enjoy Inside Man as well. Whereas we you would enjoy something like Basic Instinct too? Or scary movie four, which also came out this year. Who knows?
2: Yeah, but, well then, uh, a movie I've not seen, but I think is worthy to bring up: James Gunn's Slither, uh, um, James that Gunn. stars uh, Nathan Fillion um, and Elizabeth Banks. I've heard from Mike, uh, who I do the top five movie podcast with, um, that it's a really crazy horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's got like a an edge of comedy, but I haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, a dark comedy, I guess you could call it. Or- yeah, horror. It's not. I wouldn't call it a straight up horror comedy, but there does have you know some. What well, do I want to say? Gun elements because that takes on a different meaning. But it does have kind of a darker approach to humor to it. But it's a very decent film.
2: Yeah, and we get, um in my opinion, one of the best video game films, Silent Hill.
1: I'm glad you said um, that because I really like that film. Surprisingly. The,
2: yeah, it it doesn't try to be a video game, which is I think why it works as a film. It is just being a horror film. Yep. Um, you know, there's a little bit of video game elements to it, but I think more so it just pulls some of the uh, iconography from the game that like pyramid head oh. and the nurses that are freaking horrifying yep. and the the movies. Uh, the movie's really good actually. It's it's I think maybe underrated because of the attachment to the video game, but Yeah.
1: And it took a it was a very troubled production if I remember rightly. It didn't go smoothly at all and there was a lot of reshoots to pretty much recraft the whole film, a lot of the mm. film, but I think Christoph Gans directed it but it's i i, I you know I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's one of my top 20 of all time but i really enjoy starting and i just find it you know like i say pretty terrifying at times
2: yeah for sure man there's some this there's a scene outside of the uh safe haven with pyramid head that i won't describe but yeah just the way they did it visually i was like oh my god surprised like, it me is, in the cinema yeah dude oh my god that scene's like burned into my brain like it's yeah it's and i don't say that about many horror films but when the when a movie can etch a horrific image into my head it's going to get praise for me because it, it to me it did its job it scared me enough that it. it's not gone you know <laughs> yeah,
1: 12 years later we still remember that scene and anyone who's listened who's seen the film you know you'll know damn well which scene we mean
2: mm-hmm. and i gotta say too the sequel from a few years ago not so bad very underseen but it's not horrible at all um, especially if you're a fan of the first one. I think it does a good job continuing the story.
1: I haven't seen that sequel, which is a surprise because I enjoyed the first one, but I will do. Uh, we'll check that out, but a film that wasn't a sequel that came out, was a remake. I think we got a remake of The Omen. Julius Stiles and Liev Schreiber, mm. Mia Farrow, uh, they turned they wow. turned up the the boy who played Damien in the original. It has a cameo as well, which is quite cool. But yeah, The Omen mm. came back. It was it was an right, okay Okay, effort. I mean, the the original Omen is fabulous, and this remake was pretty good.
2: You know, I don't think I've seen either actually, and I didn't realize the cast that this one has though. It's got some big names in it. Liv Schreiber is in it. Yeah. Um, I need I need to see the first one though. Obviously, that's the the beloved one. Yeah, it's a good um, film,
1: and it was one of the one of the iconic scenes was filmed about twenty minutes from where I grew up, and it's quite cool being able to drop. it, when I used to be able to just drive past it and look at it, so um, yeah, check it out.
2: Uh, We get the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, uh, what looked like the franchise killer, which ended up being the franchise savior. Um, I mean, who'd have thought, but Justin Lin makes a name for himself and then takes the franchise to new directions after this, and it's now the money-making monster that it is. So, Yeah. um,
1: After that, we've got things like The Lake House, Nacho, Libra, Click, The Devil Wears Prada, Yumi and Dupree, Clarks 2, Kevin Smith.
2: You've got to stop there, yeah, because it's Kevin Smith. Yeah. at, I missed almost all of his movies in the theater except for Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Um, I got into his <laughs> movies just about the time that was coming out. I might have even missed that one in the theater, but I feel like I might have caught it. But I I definitely was there opening day for Clerks 2. I was really shocked at Clerks 2 because it started black and white. And I'd seen the trailer and knew it wasn't black and white. And I love how it transitions to kind of you know, pay homage to his roots with Clerks and yeah, then become it. its own movie. Uh, it, It's not there's some messed up stuff in Clerks too. Like, he goes a little bit too far in a few moments, but the there is a sequence where he gets into an argument, uh, Randall gets into an argument with a customer over Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars, and it's one of my favorite scenes in film. I, I laugh every time because he disses Lord of the Rings so hard he makes the guy throw up, and it is <laughs> hilarious. Um, But uh, I, I got to note, you skipped over a Bill Murray movie, man. You skipped over Garfield a tale for two kids i forget He's... it's a
1: bill murray movie just because that the like <laughs> garfield films man
2: because bill murray wants everyone to forget um <laughs> yes but, <laughs> but it's got jennifer it.
1: hewitt bob hoskins billy uh, tim curry philly philly jones is in th- three films this year he was in this film <laughs> x-men and one of the other films we pulled up earlier on he just happened to be in as well i can't remember which one but um that was probably not very good either
2: yeah um I I like Yumi and Dupree, too, by the way. And Devil Wears Prada, I think, is a great Anne Hathaway vehicle. Plus, we get to... um, I think that's my introduction to Emily Blunt. Um, I don't think I'd seen her in anything before Devil Wears Prada. And obviously, Meryl Streep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Meryl Streep kills it in this film, as per usual.
2: And then we get uh, the awful M. Night Shyamalan film, Lady in the Water, which I need to revisit. I've only watched it once, but from what i've heard i'm right it's not so good most people don't like it no um, i
1: didn't like
2: that one yeah little miss sunshine though i'm a big fan of <laughs> tony collette steve carell uh paul dano just alan arkin god Brian and Cranston. of course yeah oh my god i always yeah. forget he's in that and then um uh abigail breslin who would later do zombie land and is one of the kind of up-and-coming child stars from that time period um she's great as the little girl um horror movie that i watched uh i think last year for the first time maybe two years ago the descent such a Um, good film it is i i still i i hear everyone just give it so much praise i don't know what it was for me like i liked it i have like no complaints about it but i also i wasn't like moved to like any horror i don't know i just wasn't like wowed by it either and i hear so many people love it though so yeah i I definitely want to
1: Maybe in the landscape of the time, because it was just a straight up, I guess it was a return to horror roots, where it was like you mentioned we me, yeah. a hostile saw and all these kind of OTT gore torture porn, you know, that term again. Whereas The Descent was just a story of four uh, cave d- I can't think of the word now, Spelunkers, cave divers, mm. trapped underground with something stalking them. And you can't see, we don't know what it is. So it's kind of a throwback to the old horror. And what Neil true. Marshall does well is he really, really ramps up the claustrophobia and the atmosphere. True. So very yeah, well. Yeah, that, so. that's true. But,
2: yeah, again, I have no complaints about the film. I just also wasn't as wowed by it. And it might be it was overhyped for me because I heard yeah. so many people praising it by the time. I did not see it in 2006. I said like a year ago or two years ago. But um, I think maybe one of the underrated uh, um Will Ferrell movies Talladega Nights the Ballad of Ricky Bobby mainly not necessarily because of Ferrell but we get one Amy Adams is in this movie but two um the big one for me is Jane Lynch as his mom who uh is kind of unrecognizable from some of her other roles mainly because she has really long hair in this movie um which I'm assuming is a wig but I love her character and her interaction with her grandchildren in that movie crack me up but John C. Riley is so funny in this movie there is a phone conversation between him and Ricky where uh, he starts asking about ghosts and just like watching him freak out over like sounds that he's hearing in, in Ricky's house kills me. And yeah, I, and I, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is funny ish. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Talladega nights. Um, it's interesting though, cause I hadn't made this connection, but we have two NASCAR movies in 2006. Cause yeah. you have cars and Talladega nights, which is uh, not the connection I had, earlier referred to we haven't got to that yet the two movies that are very very similar that
1: one's coming but what we do just 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 as quickly throughout what we usually do on notable releases is pick a couple each and then you know move on but there's so literally so many notable releases from this from this year hence why we're going into them because they're, they're just the list we have there's about another so many more coming up and pretty mm-hmm. much most of them are fairly vital films i mean the next one one is, World Trade Center, Oliver Stone, you know, the great controversial Oliver Stone, with Nick Cage and World Trade Center. And then one of the worst horror films, or probably slash films I've ever seen, in Pulse came out, and Kristen wow. Bell even she stars in it, and she's mocked it. It's horrible. And then oh, uh, the first of the comparisons.
2: Yep, The Illusionist, directed by Neil Berger, uh, with Ed Norton, Paul Giamatti, Jessica Biel, Rufus Sewell, um, Eddie Marsden, who I'm a fan of, and I, I like The Illusionist. Um, I don't, I don't love it, I, but I am an Edward Norton fan a lot of times, so um, that definitely gave it a little more of a pass. But um, I remember seeing the trailer for this, and then there was another magic movie. Should we just jump to that yeah. and then come back, or okay, uh, Christopher Nolan's The Prestige, Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Michael Caine. I mean, you have Alfred, Batman, and Wolverine, and then oh, don't forget Scarlett Johansson, the Black Widow, shows up in this movie, so it's a combo com- crossover. Of epic proportions. Oh yeah, God, I did forget. And the last man on the list, I was about to say I was, it was Andy Star Circus, man. but yeah, David Bowie, man, it like took
1: so much to get him into this film as well. Uh, he did. Christopher Nolan lobbied personally for David Bowie for so long, and David Bowie wouldn't do it. He wasn't. He didn't want to do it. He wouldn't want to. He didn't want to act or be in a live action film. And I don't know how he did it, but eventually Nolan managed to persuade him. But if you just check out the story, he literally just tried so hard because he only wanted Bowie. That's his... really cool.
2: That's awesome. And I got to say, I am I am a Christopher Nolan fanboy. Um, I do, I, I've yet to dislike any of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a fan of – I've seen all of his films. Um, I've seen – with the exception of The Prestige – and, uh, I think Inception, I've seen every film of his in the theater since Batman Begins, so I skipped two big ones, but, um, I don't think I was quite aware of directors at the time, I was still more focused on the actors than I was directors, and, but since then I, I have seen them all, so I, I will say, I think The Prestige is far better than The Illusionist, yes. I do think The Illusionist is good, but, um, Proceeds, man, I was kind of blown away by the, uh, the movie at the end of it, um. I don't know. And I, I like Michael Caine a lot in that movie. <laughs> like, I, yeah,
1: everything about... Not everything, but I think The Prestige is the better film. But again, I like The Illusionist and I like what Edward Norton did, but I just think all the elements combining within The Prestige, the story, how it looked, of course the director and the ridiculously talented cast, of course Rebecca Rebecca in there as well, and um, mm-hmm. Piper Peribas, And it, it's such a good cast. I think that they all combine... To make a great film or whatever you might think about the ending but the film itself it does you do have to watch and keep your eye on it because it is a magic trick unfolding before your eyes if you can guess what's going on then well you're 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 cleverer than i am
2: yeah that's i i feel like the movie does a good job of following its own narration like some of the things that we're told the movie does and like you're like oh my god nolan told us he was doing it but good lord um so to me The Prestige is one of the uh, the movies that I can't believe it's not in the top 10. At the same time I didn't see it in the theater, so I'm part of the reason it's not in the top 10 cuz I didn't you. give it any money, but um until later. But uh there's there's three movies left on this list and there's I mean there's about 20 movies I think left on the list, but there's three movies left on the list that I think in today's standards we consider to be like all-time amazing films that people will reference in like film classes and stuff that are not on the top 10 shoot the departed oh. by martin scorsese uh leonardo dicaprio Matt damon jack nicholson mark Wahlberg, um scorsese wins i think his first oscar for this yes, if i'm does. not mistaken um and and uh dicaprio does not and then uh children of men um uh, by alfonso Caron. so
1: miserable but so good oh,
2: oh my god the, the we get emmanuel lubezki uh, on cinematography um clive owen julianne moore claire hope uh I don't know that name uh again Michael Caine. uh Ejafor. um Charlie Hunnam you know that's not always a good thing that's and bad. then and then oh my goodness Pan's Labyrinth Guillermo del Toro uh Sergi Lopez Maribel Verdú Ivan uh Bequero, Doug Jones of course because if there's a monster in a, a del Toro movie it's Doug Jones um I mean god those three films l- alone are iconic from 2006 right like I mean Children of Men um I still think more people should see that. Oh, definitely. And I, I'm not surprised it's not in the top 10 for box office. It's not a box office type movie because it is very down. I mean, the opening sequence is a a bombing of a coffee shop. Like, it's it starts on a down note. It um,
1: doesn't really get much more positive, but it's a yeah, no, good it does. film. Clive oh, it's Owen so is good. sensational.
2: And, of course, Lubesky gets the most from this movie because of his long takes that he he does in this oh. film. There's three scenes that the opening sequence is a long take, which is amazing. Um, there's a scene later in the film, uh, and it's stitched together long takes, so they're not all true long takes, but, um, and then there's a, a scene in a car, uh, yeah. that is insane. I, I can't even fathom how they filmed it because it, the camera movement inside the car does not make any sense to me how it's possible, but it is, it's just amazing. And, wise,
1: um, it's amazing as well.
2: Yeah, it really, oh God, dude, the film is, is so, so, so good. And, um, those are the the big films that I think we have left. I do have one more that I want to talk about. Is there anything else that you want to hit up on or or yeah, go into I'm detail?
1: Just, I'm just going to very quickly throw the names out. I mean, you got Brian De Palma returns with The Black Dahlia, which mm. has a iffy reputation. Some like it, yeah. some don't. You can't argue with the cast though. I quite enjoyed yeah. The Black Dahlia. I thought it was very good. Helen Mirren's back in as the as the Queen, as good old Queen Elizabeth II. Mm. and then going back further down we've got the uh, toilet blocker that was the Santa Claus 3.
2: Oh my god so bad
1: Pursuit of Happiness which I thought was a pretty good film with Will Smith I quite enjoyed that. I still did not watch that Iwo Jimo, Clint Eastwood and Rocky Balboa Sliced Alone which I thought was a very very solid return to form
2: That's the sixth one right? Yes Uh, I've not seen that one but I've heard that one's really good. The five's supposed to be awful. Five is Um,
1: pap yeah Rocky
2: Balboa is good and then of course it goes on to Creed and Creed oh god I love Creed um okay so the movie that you didn't mention is is one of my personal favorites it's a rock opera called Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny um Jack Black Kyle Gass uh I am a huge Tenacious D fan um like I own all their albums uh I I genuinely love their music um I own their their HBO series um like i i'm a legit like hardcore tenacious d fan i i own their live concert dvd like i i'm for real not joking big fan so i went to see this movie with so much excitement um and i was not disappointed if you're a fan of tenacious d this movie nails it and there's some parts that are questionable but david Grohl as the devil um uh, <laughs> sorry dave Grohl. I, I don't know why i just called him david like we're on it's very formal uh, It was so formal well, um, he's on you the know. show <laughs> hey david Grohl, welcome <laughs> um but I love, oh uh, man, I I really really love that movie. It's super fun. Um, the, the scene with Dio at the beginning and Meatloaf as his dad. I mean, it's just, it's just full of great songs, and the songs are fantastic. And I do like that they they took it almost as a musical, and you get Ben Stiller as the crazy guitar center employee. Um, you know, there's some big names that just show up because Jack Black pulls his weight and pulls all the people that he knows in there. Um, I I, yeah, I had to mention it because I am a fan of that film. Um, I've actually owned it multiple times because i let someone borrow my one of my copies of the dvd and it got it never got returned so i had to get another one so, <laughs> huh.
1: so yeah I, don't you hate it when that happens but i yeah you know, i like this film i like that for i remember that when tenacious d came out with um oh, god what was a song called with dave gold as the devil best song in the world um tribute tribute this is a tribute yes yep. i remember when tribute came out and again it just sparked this over here anyway everybody loved it yeah Um, oh big time and the album was actually and the album was very good oh my
2: it's so wonder boy is fantastic yeah yeah um in fact the 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 movie is essentially the the movie is the setup for what tribute is about like it's the the meeting of that that moment even though they don't frame it that way um it's i love it because it's somewhat autobiographical because they're playing themselves but they're obviously not playing themselves and um, that's really the band too. Like if you listen to the skits on the, the albums, they're playing characters. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love them. The last album wasn't perfect, but the, the first album is, is gold. And, uh, the soundtrack for this movie is really great too. Um, uh, ah, man, it's, I don't know. It's stupid, but I, I absolutely do enjoy this movie. So probably of the year that would probably be in my top five, um, of the year because I do love that movie so so much it would probably be right behind those other four it'd be like uh, it'd probably be P- Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Children of Men, Departed, Prestige, Tenacious D, and The Pick of Destiny like probably in that order um, so yeah don't but kill I've
1: me got but... no idea I'm trying to I just off the top of my head guys I didn't want to put in my top five of the I put the Departed's the, the going to be in there uh, the, the Prestige is going to be there maybe Possibly V for Vendetta, but that's only because I can. That's the first thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. The as I do I, don't, I it, the notable releases were better than the top ten, I think. And yeah, I mean, we've spent more time than we usually would, simply because the notable releases warranted it this time, because there are they so do. many good films. And like you say, I find I struggled to find the top five because Children of Men. I didn't even think about that. That's absolutely going in there. But yeah, I mean, that's that's. The notable releases and our notable releases as well. So now mm-hmm. it's time to go a little bit further with this. Winners and losers.
2: So we're going to be looking at uh, the Academy Award winners and uh, also the Golden Raspberry winners um, for 2006. We'll start with the Academy Awards. Um, so the best picture from 2006, we already kind of mentioned. My bad on that, I guess. Spoiler. Uh, the Departed. um which also gets Best Director, Martin Scorsese. Uh, So, you know, two of those. um, Best Actor, Forrest Whitaker for The Last King of Scotland. Best Actress, Helen Mirren for The Queen. Uh, Always worthy. Um, Best Supporting Actor, Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine, which mentioned that movie a little bit ago as well. Um, This movie we didn't mention at all, which might be because it might fall into that weird gap where it's technically a 2007 movie, but it qualified for the Oscars. Uh, best Supporting Actress, Jennifer Hudson for Dreamgirls. Um, best Original Screenplay, Little Miss Sunshine. Best Animated Feature. Happy are Feet. You, are, happy Feet. Uh, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I still think Over the Hedge. And then Best Cinematography. Holy crap, really? Yep. I did not realize that. Pan's Labyrinth gets Best Cinematography, not Children of Men. No, Pan's Labyrinth, I guess, yeah, part of that's just do because Pan, whilst
1: Children of Men was a fabulous film, i've i think of pan's labyrinth more because of
2: its visuals i think it's a good film still but let's see i would think that would fall under like costume design or makeup not cinematography like uh, not to say it's like bad cinematography but children of men like most of that movie is made by the camera work from lubezki so that's shocking to me um and again no offense i'm a huge fan of labyrinth as well or pan's labyrinth sorry um what about best animated feature how do you feel Uh, over the hedge man over the hedge (laughs) all the way
1: uh overall i think best picture the the departed i still think there was a few people who disagree and argue with it to this day i think
2: yeah i don't remember who it was up against but um yeah especially because scorsese no way is the departed his best film and then this was his first win so a lot of people i think thought it was just that kind of uh, uh that you know paying the dues kind of award like it's time he gets one, so we're gonna give it to him, no matter what movie he made. Um, but I, I do, I think it's a good movie. I mean, I, Matt Damon is one of his best performances. Um, well, that's hard to say. He's got some really great performances, but I really like him in the film. Um, Wahlberg, uh, Wahlberg is so Wahlberg in this movie. Like, it's <laughs> like, can you be a Boston cop? Yeah, I can be a Boston cop. Yeah, yeah, and that's like <laughs> Marky Mark. He's Marky
1: Mark. Um, it was up against Babel, Letters for Me with Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen.
2: I mean, I haven't, I still haven't watched Babel. I, I own it. Um, that's uh Yuritu's first film, I think, or yeah. at least first big film. And I, I haven't gone back to it. Um, I hear that's it's got um, con- like multiple story characters that converge together, like mm-hmm. Crash. Um, have you seen Babel? Yes, I have. Yep.
1: I can attest that it is a very, very good film. It is a, mu- think- yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, narrative. It's a multi-narrative movie.
2: Do you say it's better than The Departed? <sighs> mm.
1: I, th- yeah, I'm going to say it is. I think, t- oh, te- technically, I think it's a better film than than The Departed.
2: So um, it, it, that might be the film that people are, like, up in arms and about. then there's
1: Letters from with Jima, which is Clint Eastwood, and it got Steven Spielberg, reduced it and that's a mm. powerful film. Um the queen oh, I wouldn't put give that best picture. Little Miss Sunshine
2: as much as I enjoyed it, I don't think it's best film of the year. It's indie darling for sure. Yeah, like absolutely. it's it's very much that. But it's great. I really like it. I've heard some some critics that I'm a fan of uh do not like those type of movies. I I usually do. Um I like the the indie kind of I don't know if this one qualifies as mumblecore but it's definitely in that vein of that's the indie film. The
1: indie film yeah. I yeah. like those kind of films. Some of them don't; they don't always work for me. Some some are too far down the indie road for me. But um, I
2: think that's Paul Dano's character in that movie. Um, you know, the vow of silence until yeah. he gets into the air force. That whole thing, even how that plays out in the movie, has that indie vibe more so um, than a lot of the other, especially the quirky indie vibe I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I would say Steve Carell's character has the the indie kind of sadness vibe, but then Dano's character and like how that. Results and like uh, it's it's pretty zany, and obviously the main arc with Alan Arkin who he gets with him and his granddaughter the silliest part of the movie, but also the driving force of the entire plot, so one him a best supporting actor as well yeah, and he's he's great in it i mean he's he's genuinely pretty funny in everything he's in, so
1: yeah, and Forrest Whitaker was excellent as in the last king of Scotland as uh Edie Amin. Uh, I think he was up against uh, the D, uh, at the time, Oscar Luss, uh, Always the Bride, Made Never the Bride, Leonardo DiCaprio, Ryan Gosling, Peter O'Toole, and Will Smith were his uh, competitors. And against those five, he was by far the best, not because they were bad, but he was extremely good in that what? film.
2: What film was Gosling in? Half Nelson. Oh, wow, he got nominated for that movie, yeah. really? Will Smith, that Pursuit of Happiness. I mean, Yeah, Will Smith... I'm... I think people were a little shocked, because that performance is, like, Will Smith's biggest, like, Oscar mm. performance. I
1: liked that film.
2: I still have not watched it, because, um, it was still at the time when I was avoiding sad movies. <laughs> and there was no way that movie wasn't going to be sad, and I've just not gone to it. Partly because also now I hate Jaden Smith so much, I don't think I could watch it and not, yeah. like...
1: Just the fact that his father makes him... Lobbies Nepotism. for him to be in yeah, it's Nepotism! stinks.
2: Alright, let's look at the, the raspberries, or <laughs> the, uh... Um, the, the Razzies as they're more commonly called. I, I always get script. I'm always like, wait a minute. What's the golden Razz? Oh, it's the raz-. Um <laughs> All right. Worst picture, Dirty Love. I don't even remember this movie, but stars Jenny McCarthy. Um, and we'll later see that it was also written by Jenny McCarthy. So that says a lot. Um, worst actor, Rob Schneider in Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. That's kind of harsh. Uh, <laughs> uh, worst actress, what? Jenny McCarthy in Dirty Love. Um, oh, wow, we're supporting actor Hayden Christensen.
1: Yeah, uh, not, uh, I, I'm not a Buys fanboy, but when you realize who he's against, uh, he's not, uh, and I know the Razzies were a bit of fun, but he can't give him the award for that.
2: What, what year is Revenge of the Sith released officially? Revenge of the because...
1: was a 2005 release.
2: Okay, so that's weird that it's on this list Um, here, but... I
1: mean, he was against Alan Cumming in Son of the Mask, Bob Hoskins in Son of the oh. Mask, Eugene Levy in Cheaper by the Dozen and The Man. And Burt oh, Reynolds man. in *The Duke of Hazard* and The Longest Yard. Eugene and Burt both nominated for two films. It's somehow not well. Wow. Wrong.
2: Yeah, that's, that just seems like they were just picking on Hayden. I know, uh, I like Hayden. Uh, and then we're supporting actress Paris Hilton <laughs> in House of Wax. I mean, sometimes <laughs> these awards just feel mean. Like, who saw House of Wax? Like,
1: <laughs> I think they just gave it because it was Paris Hilton
2: yeah exactly exactly and then worst director john mallory for uh john mallory asher for dirty love and dirty love where wins worst screenplay written by jenny mccarthy i i've never heard of that and i got it i had a crush on jenny mccarthy when i was in high school because it's singled out yeah i had like i even one of my first cds um i don't remember what birthday it was but when i got my cd player i got three cds with it i got uh weird al yankovic's bad hair day I got um a Hootie and the Blowfish CD, like whatever their first CD was that Fractal everyone review. loved. Yes, and then I got Jenny McCarthy's uh, Beach Summer <laughs> music, man? where it was, it was just like a compilation disc of like Beach Boys songs with Jenny McCarthy in a bikini on the cover. Um, nice. and there was a few other beach songs on there, but it was like you know just like all not no she's not singing, she has nothing to do with it, but it's her just album, her, na- her picture on the front. You'd recognize the
1: poster for this film
2: yes um oh really okay so so, uh i somehow though never saw this nor did i ever try to maybe i was over my crush by the time it came out (laughs) but
1: you were probably best not to because uh yeah By judging by the razzies it's not where we see but you'll definitely recognize the
2: poster oh my god it has a nine on metacritic (laughs) yeah
1: it's i I guess it's one of those kind of uh if you want to torture yourself kind of movies but but interesting in 2006 the top 10 Again, similar to 2002, the top ten. It got a little bit of Oscar love, but not very much. The only not two films that won anything: Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest isn't is an Oscar-winning film. It won for best visual effects, which there are some good effects. In fact, most people didn't know it was Bill Nighy. Under that, a lot of people thought it was prosthetics, but it was also nominated for best achievement in art direction, sound mixing, and editing. Then you have to go down to Cars, which was of course nominated for best feat animated and best original song. Superman Returns is an Oscar-nominated film for visual effects, and Happy Feet, as we now know, won Best Animated Feature. So, really, other than the Pirates love. of the Caribbean, there was no Oscar love for the top ten.
2: Yeah, and not even—I mean, like, I think it was The Lord of the Rings in 2002. It just gets the technical award nominations, yeah. not for story or um, or uh, anything else. Like, no performances. Sweet I mean, player. Johnny Depp maybe gets the best. No, I'm just kidding. He won't get that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Alright.
1: it was a, I don't know if I'd say it, I can't say it's an indictment of the top 10, because 2002 had a pretty solid top 10, and didn't really see a lot of Oscar love either, but yeah, I mean, award season, before we crack on, did you, agree, do you agree mainly with the Academy Awards, are you kind of on the, on the level for most of them?
2: Yeah, I don't have any real objections, like I, this year, I feel like 2006, I, my daughter was two. Um, And I wasn't going to the theater very often because of that, unless it was, um, like I said, the dollar theater, which would close not long after this, unfortunately. Um, And so and I was still avoiding the more dramatic movies, So I I skipped a lot of these. I, I still haven't seen The Last King of Scotland. I don't know if I would ever watch The Queen. I just feel like it it feels like it wouldn't be interesting to me i could be wrong yeah the um, the tv
1: show with claire foy i think she's in it that's better than the film
2: the, that's the the crown right that's right yeah i haven't seen yeah, all that, of it but I'm i've heard what that's I have really seen, good it's
1: better than the queen
2: and i'm a fan of claire foy um little miss sunshine i just watched a couple of years ago but i definitely really like that film a whole lot uh so and i i watched the departed during my 366 challenge when i started mm-hmm. Burke reviews um so that was a film I um, actually had, I owned the DVD since it came out because I was part of Columbia house, you know, like the mail order yeah, DVD yeah. service and it was the featured movie and I forgot to send the, I don't want it. So it came in and I just kept it, but like refused to watch it for years. <laughs> um, I think I was kind of off of both Leo and Matt Damon at the time because of uh the talented Mr. Ripley freaked me out when I was, when I watched it as like, I was too young, I think to to like get what was happening. And I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast but I had a little bit of a rivalry with Leonardo DiCaprio when, in my he was teenage years, guy,
1: wasn't
2: he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, by rivalry, I, it was one sided, and I was just jealous. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, I uh, I I kind of didn't watch his movie. So like that movie just had two reasons for me not to watch it, oh, and I, I probably jealousy
1: to... spilled into not filling his wallet
2: yeah yes um and not and laughing when he didn't win oscars for years but now i'm a huge leonardo dicaprio fan and uh also a big fan of matt damon but every time um, you
1: say matt damon i always think of team america and it's resisting <laughs> the urge to shout it out i'm trying
2: not to but every yes. time um oh matt damon all right so uh yeah. let's get into the next segment so, yes award season been and gone we agree
1: with some of it, don't agree with parts of it as well. But as is natural, nature and existence came into play again during 2006, which brings us on to this. Comings and goings.
2: So we are going to look at the uh, first, the birth of 2006, who came in to the world and has since then graced us with their, uh, their acting ability, their acting prowess. Um, and we've got a couple of big names on here. Um the first one though, I actually don't Oh, okay, I do know who it is. Alexa uh Nysen-san? Yeah, that'll do. Alright. Oh, um she was in the dreadful fist fight from last year. I hated that. Oh dude, it was so bad. But I think she's the highlight. The her, her talent show performance I think was the only time I laughed, even though I laughed out of shock value. I did laugh. Um I
1: laughed at the fact that I spent money on that film. Oh god, dude. Nothing I to I do want... with Alexa in though.
2: I want Charlie Day to be good. And he like never is when it's on the big screen. Like he's really good and always sunny. Pacific and... rim uprising. Yeah, but is he good? Like... Nope. He's the worst <laughs> yeah. part of that film. Yeah, and I'm not saying something. I think he needs to stick to like to T V. Um Horrible Bosses is funny ish. But it's not really him, it's Sudeikis and, and Bateman. Um, the Jasons. Uh Next up, uh, I'm sorry. She was Alexa was born June 8th, so we go all the way to June before we get anybody. But these are these are all 12 year olds, man.
1: It's mental. It's mad. These kids were born and, in 2006.
2: Yeah, and the next one who is so good, um, born June 25th, McKenna Grace. If you slept on gifted, check it out. Oh, um, have you seen it?
1: I, oh yeah, absolutely,
2: dude. I my uh, Mike who does the top five. That's become one of his favorite films like he has to watch it if it if he like it's on HBO I think right now and if it's on he has to sit and finish it. it it's man, Chris Evans first of all really showcases his dramatic ability a bit in this movie. Um but she shines, man. She's so good. And then she's also in I, Tanya which I really liked Anya a whole lot and she what? plays young Tanya Harding. She's
1: young Tanya. Anya is cuz it's a UK release. is currently my number 1 film of the year.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's really cool.
1: That is it, yep. But yeah, she's, she's young, Tony gifted, yeah. I, I kept getting mixed up between Chris Evans and Chris Pratt and Chris Pine whichever one was in it. But yeah, yeah. he's fantastic in that film. And yeah, and a lot of the film rests on McKenna Grace. Being, it does, for sure. Yeah, at the time, what, 11, maybe 10, 11 years old. And yeah. it's a beautiful little film. So if you haven't seen it, do check it out. It was a wonderful father daughter.
2: It, it was a super quiet release, so a yeah. lot of people didn't see it. So, yeah, if you missed it, check it out. It's on it. I'm pretty sure it's on HBO, so take take a look there. Um, the next actor uh, uh, was born October 5th, um, Jacob Tremblay, who does this amazing movie called Room that you probably have heard of because it was nominated for Best Picture. Brie Larson won for Best yeah. Actress. Um, he, it's, it's Lenny Abrahamson i think is the director's mm-hmm. name and he did a movie called uh frank have you seen frank man
1: uh i don't think so
2: dude uh michael fassbender Domhnall gleason maggie gyllenhaal um it's about a real life guy who uh but it's it's a biopic i just saw the documentary um it's a musician who wears a paper mache head <laughs> okay and it's Totally, completely different from room like it is like you would not think it was the same director because it is so totally different but uh frank such a good movie i love room um i actually love jacob tremblay wonder was one of my biggest shock movies from last year because i kind of went in thinking it was gonna be awful and i was gonna be like oh this is too sappy i loved the movie i cried way too many times um i actually i think i saw it the either on thanksgiving or the day after thanksgiving it's a black friday here um but then but then matt Go he's on. in one of the worst movies <laughs> that i've ever seen like i ever. hate the book of henry so much dude like the, it's so bad the film that struck Tre-
1: trevoro from the star wars universe Man, thank god ever Well, i liked wonder as well i too thought it was going to be a bit too sickly sweet and saturated, and let's face it it was at points but it yeah. worked within the story because it was a Flaming. It was awesome. I think it was in my top fifteen of the last year. It, it was, was
2: really good. It was good
1: to see Julie Roberts back as well for that yeah, matter. But
2: she's so good, dude. Yeah. There's a, mo- a moment where reason. she is like starting to cry and she's trying not to, and like I was like with her, I'm like, I'm crying too. Exactly. But, and Jacob like...
1: Tremblay's twelve years, eleven years old I have eleven at the time. And he's uh, just better at life than I am in this film. Book yeah, of Henry, yeah. I is <sighs> the biggest hodgepodge mess i've ever seen but i so bad. still didn't th- I, to me it's not i didn't think it was all that bad i think it was an entertaining mess because it went you from one thing to another then ended up being uh. something completely different but I, I went in hearing people saying it's the worst ever and i don't think it's that but i don't think it's that bad. I think in terms of last year there was a ton of films worse for there me. was
2: but i i was actually really hyped because i'm a big fan of the uh the actor who was also I can't think of his name right now, but he's Billy and It. Jaden Lee uh, Yes, and he was in St. Vincent with Bill Murray and yeah. Melissa McCarthy a few years before, which I love that movie. So I was really hyped about The Book of Henry, and I actually thought it looked really interesting. And then the, the turn the movie takes yes. just made me so angry. And not, not even angry, I just thought it was so dumb. And then there's a scene at the end... Oh, it's just it's so bad. It's
1: so much dangerous Another stupid. turn in the film as well. Everything just goes yeah. and crazy into pop by the end of it. But I yeah, for the first two films though, are awesome, and Jacob Tremblay is definitely one to watch um, going forward. I mean, after yeah, that was October, sure. coming into the festive month, two birthdays a day apart. December fifth was Ava Kolker, young actress who was in Insidious: The Last Key. She's one of the one of the kids in that film, and I didn't like that film. In fact, I thought it was horrible. But, um, I skipped it. it. Yeah, it was it was one of the worst horror films I've seen in a long time. Again, nothing to do with Ava Culker, and I'm sure she'll go on to do much better things, and she was okay as one of the kids in the film. is everybody else. And the next day, December the 6th, Minnie Davis, who was also in Wonder, and she's in the TV series Orphan Black as well. So, two kids from Wonder, born in the mm. same year, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, there's a yeah. very... Uh, yes, they're 12, but there's some very decent up-and-coming young actors and actresses on that list, which, uh, who knows, maybe in 10 years' time we're we'll doing a retrospective, we'll be looking at these guys as Oscar winners.
2: I just hope that they all stay off drugs.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Don't follow Macaulay Culkin.
2: Yeah, which he's recovered now, but he's also a podcaster now, believe it or not. He is a um,
1: podcaster. Welcome to the gang, Macaulay. I think you were here before I was, but still.
2: <laughs> well... Um, now that's the, the people who came into the world and these are the ones who've left us. Um, and s- just to 12 years ago that had happened. Um, first, uh, February 18th, Richard Bright died at the age of 64. Uh, most notable for the Godfather, the getaway once upon a time in America, red heat and marathon man. Um, and then September 7th. So we jumped quite a ways Robert Earl Jones, but oh my goodness, yeah. he got to live till 96. <laughs> um, I hope I can make it that far. Uh, the Sting, Witness, and The Cotton Club, his most notable films. Um, who else passed away on us, Matt?
1: Just on that, Witness is an excellent film if you haven't seen it. And, and Sting is the film that prevented The Exorcist winning Best Picture, so I should always be bitter about that, but uh. it's a—it's <laughs> also a good film, though. 96, wow. But November the 10th, Jack Palance, 87 years old, known for Shane, City Slickers, Batman, Tango, and Cash, Young Guns, very, very f- good actor. Robert Altman, 10 days later, November the 20th, 81 years old, director, screenwriter. Best known for MASH, Gosford Park, The Player, Nashville, and a Prairie Home Companion. And 95 years old, December the 18th, the legendary Joseph Barbera, director and producer of things such as The Flintstones and The Jetsons, The Movie, so uh, Hanna Barbera, everything. Mm. So yeah. there are, some again, some big names who sadly left us, you know, some good ages, 96, 95. You know, they they would have seen a lot, done a lot, and contributed a lot.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, but again, they, these, on a bright side, uh, none of these were super young. I mean, 64 is young, but uh, 96, 87, 81, 95, these guys got to live a, a, a life, you know? And Some of those um, films
1: that they worked on or left behind, Are they still stand up to this
2: day. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look at, like... Um not so much city slickers I don't think but you know Shane is on the list of the AFI top 100 I yeah. think for uh so like that's huge obviously the sting is big Is Witness the, um, the Amish Harrison Ford? Yes. Movie? That's
1: bloody yeah, I, good. I,
2: that movie was out of my radar forever. It was brought to my school by a Harvard psychologist that he used the scene of it to talk about fighting um and then it was given to me by a student to watch and I've still not watched it but I have it. So it's on my radar, and here it is again. Like it just keeps. <laughs> just I didn't even know it existed, man, and now it's just like keeps coming back I at me. So I gotta got watch it. F-
1: film studies in about two thousand and two, I think. Um, there it is, and so which is what what gonna be? Yeah, about, 40, 40, about sixteen years ago. Yeah, when I was doing film studies way back when in college, and we were introduced to all these kind of films which ordinarily I would never have watched, like Witness and things like The Crying Game, and I realized, wow. There are so many good films out there. And for me, all I had to do was just open my eyes and go and watch them. And this is one of them. And Witness is fantastic. I mean, obviously the getaway with the King of Cool, Steve McQueen. The Godfather's up there. Oh, I know. What can we say about that that hasn't been said before? Yeah, I mean, the year concluded. And some magnificent movies were unleashed into the world. Maybe they didn't make the top ten, but they were out there. Some brilliant performers also took their very first steps into cinema. A couple of old, some young some may be surprising as well so let's have a look who came in who started their career in our next segment Their
2: debuts uh we're gonna be looking at the debuts man i am uh excited to hear who got their start
1: we got well first off is uh a lady we've already mentioned once before it's rebecca hall yeah she uh she debuted and started for 10 and she went on to star in the prestige the awesome Vicky Cristina Barcelona and the equally very good Professor Martin and the Wonder Woman.
2: I've been meaning to watch that because uh, that came out last year, uh, oddly yeah. enough, after Wonder Woman. Um, and I I know of Vicky Cristina Barcelona, but I have not watched it.
1: Very good film. If you get a chance to watch it, um, the two lead actresses are, uh, are excellent in it. So Penelope Cruz and Scarlett Johansson. So check it out.
2: Well, and then um the next person made their debut uh army hammer who um he debuted in flicka which you can bet that I've never watched cuz if <laughs> i'm not mistaken that's a horse movie and <laughs> i don't much care for those um yeah, to get the horse in some way yeah, but uh call me by your name is obviously from uh last year which is a fantastic movie he's in uh the birth of a nation remake not the um the old one from uh wd griffith and the man from uncle plus i mean let's not forget the lone ranger and this year sorry to bother you yeah um but yeah i'm I'm a big army hammer fan right now he he, he keeps doing some uh, oh and the social network sorry gotta throw that out there because i'm a fincher fan um yeah army hammer man 2006 premieres in a horse movie of all places
1: i'm sorry to have to put that upon you army hammer so he's always perennially linked with all these big roles he was linked for there's a couple of major film roles recently he didn't get, but he was kind of always very strongly linked with them. And I like the fact that he can be in certain films. And like you mentioned, I, the Social Network. Of course, he's in that. But I had not—I'd forgotten. But because he just kind of pops up and he's just very good in in the films he's in. That I just—I yeah. forgot he was in that. But the man from Uncle we've mentioned before. If you haven't seen it, go out and watch it because it is a yeah. great film.
2: Yeah, under scene too. Like you definitely need to yeah. check that movie out.
1: Yeah, I mean, and next up is uh, Jennifer Hudson. What a great surname. She starts uh, her, she made her debut, her Academy Award winning debut in Dream Girls, And she went on to go on to the Secret Life of Bees, the Sex in the City movie, and She Rack as well.
2: <laughs> I, I've i been meaning to watch She Rack. Um, I heard some good things about it. That was one of Spike Lee's last, I guess not last one, he's done a couple since then. But uh, Secret Life of Bees is another one that I've been meaning to watch and I've not got to. Um, even i I never saw dream girls and i've you know that's i think because of the music element I, at the time i wasn't interested um I think I could go back to it and probably enjoy now
1: i think she's gonna be in a i think she was cast in a film quite re- an upcoming film quite recently but in the name uh abs- the names have left my mind now but think there shouldn't be in the many films in cats i think she's gonna be in cats
2: oh the the movie they're doing yeah. or like a okay I'm sure uh. she's
1: gonna be in that so whether or not you like the idea of the film or not she's in that.
2: Well, um, the next is an Oscar winner. Uh, we have Eddie Redmayne. Um, he didn't win for his first movie, which was Like Minds, but he won, if I'm not mistaken, for, um, Theory of Everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, confirmed, uh, Theory of Everything. Uh, of course, he is tremendous in Jupiter Ascending, that, <laughs> that movie. Um, he is in the new Harry Potter franchise as, uh, oh, I forgot his name, but Nuke Fantastic Beasts. Yes, Newt Scam- Scamander, um. Which we have the sequel, uh, The Crimes Friends of Krigerwald, which I am looking forward to, although I'm super apprehensive about. But um, he's also in a movie that I'm not a big fan of, but a lot of people love, the Les Mis, uh live yes. musical um, with uh, Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, and um, Amanda Seyfried. Um, but actually, I did like him in that movie. I don't like the movie, but I liked him in that um. God, he is so over the top in Jupiter Ascending. Though. He is ridiculous I, in that film. Did you suffer through that movie also? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I
1: suffered through his performance in that film.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and also roller skating alien dog Channing Tatum, right? I mean... It's mental. <laughs> yeah, so, it. it's so mental. crazy.
1: And then you got how he's breathtakingly good, I thought, in The Theory of, theory of Everything, which I thought was yeah. a wonderful movie.
2: Yeah, and um, also the Danish girl, which I, I forgot yes, to mention, but yeah. uh, him and Vikander together are so, so good in that movie. So
1: He's a very good actor. Made his yeah. debut in 2006. And finally, as did Mia Wasikowska. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. because I've I think you did, man, and Wasikowska. I always butcher her name. The uh, movie yeah. was Suburban Mayhem. Not Suburban Commando, but Suburban Mayhem. And she's known for our, the, obviously, remake of Alice in Wonderland, The Kids Are All Right, Crimson Peak. Uh, the much maligned, sometimes revered, and also Alice Through the Looking Glass. So, uh... and
2: this year she's in a movie with Robert Pattinson called Damsel that I saw at South by Southwest. Any good? That I really, yeah. Um, I I liked her performance. I like Pattinson's performance. The movie overall, I was lukewarm on, but um, I've heard a few critics really, really praising it. So depending on who you hear it from, some will say it's excellent. I thought it was good, definitely entertaining. Um, I do like her though. I love. I actually like Burton's Alice in Wonderland. I hate the sequel. Through the looking glass yeah. is garbage. Um and Crimson Peak, underrated movie because it was marketed wrong. The abs- that's uh, definitely right. Yeah, so uh she's a really talented actress though, and I, I loved her and um the connection with Chastain and Tom Hiddleston and Crimson Peak was fantastic. So
1: Yeah, I saw when I saw that film I expected something, I didn't get it. But I still thought it was a pretty good film. I liked the name, I liked the performance in it. It didn't click for me a hundred percent, but um, agreed. I'm glad to see that Robert Pattinson's can kind of continuing his hot streak with a mm-hmm. good time from last year. I didn't oh. like the Lost City of Z. I thought it was, I didn't like that whatsoever. But I thought he was very good in okay. it. And I been, haven't seen that yet. He, I didn't. A lot of people did like it, but Charlie Hunnam's the lead, so yep. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yep. but our says uh, he won't like me for saying that. But Robert Pattinson is excellent in it. As he's in most of his films, he's a very, very good actor, and I, I mm-hmm. still think he should have been up for Best Picture for Good Time, best, uh, best uh, actor, sorry, performance. Take Denzel yeah, so... out for Roman J because that film was dire. He was good in it,
2: but he's good in everything. He's exactly. Genzel, like the he Denzel.
1: What, what our Pat's was fantastic in Good Time. It's a transformation.
2: That's what I was about to say. He's like you wouldn't know it's Robert Pattinson if if. I mean, I, he looks a little like Robert Pattinson, so yes, there, but the performance is off the charts amazing in yeah. Good Time. Like, oh, God. And honestly, Damsel, because it's, it's a it's a Western, kind of. Um, it's misleading to call it a Western because it's something else, but it's like a a Western comedy, and it kind of plays on the Western tropes a lot. He's really good in it. Like, I got to say, I might have undersold that movie a little because I something didn't click for me overall. But he is super good in it. Like just what happens with his character is funny as crap. But
1: I'll check that out when it comes out. So I mean yep. in terms of the year two thousand and six, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. We've gone through the top ten of the year based on gross. We've been through the notable releases that came out and boy were there some. Who won and who won and lost during award seasons, who came and sadly went, and the debut, so that's pretty much wrapped up this episode, but 2006 we're going to get into in a minute. But I think it's time now for that wonderful part of the show where Mr. Burke J. B. delivers a, a soliloquy. Uh, delivers a uh, a tribute to the year
2: in the way that only he can. That's right. If you were born in 2006, then you are born the year of the pirate. Know that there will be times that are puzzling, but stay positive, and surely you will solve it in time. Be careful who you trust your heart to, as they could betray you. Though, it's not a bad idea to take a gamble now and then. That's your movie forecast from 2006. And of course, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you were born in 2006, uh, I hope you have your parents' permission. I mean, we keep it pretty clean, but still
1: yep exactly some of the films we talk about may not be suitable for your young ears if you are listening yes, though Carl, hello if you are listening in the night time probably should be in bed
2: yes yeah we speaking of bed i think it's about that time sir We'd, it is uh
1: it's, uh, it's a <laughs> late night over here for me so that is that for this episode of movie astrology uh i always enjoy doing this and having a rundown of the year because uh there's nobody more knowledgeable and better to do it with than yourself
2: well thank you sir and i enjoy always getting to talk to you and uh All the research, man, you put into this, this is so much I I really find this enlightening because, again, movies come through like our lives and like stopping and looking at a year like we do with this is always compelling. like I would have never clicked like certain movies came out the same year. And I I always love stumbling on that, like the patterns that we see arise, like the two magic movies and the two NASCAR movies in 2006
1: yeah and you forget what comes out and uh, yeah there's some and you forget some of the stinkers that came out as well so yeah, yeah i mean looking forward to the next show um but before we get to that next show where can the world find you online
2: uh you can find me at dot is that's where i post all my reviews and on social media at burkreviews on both instagram and twitter
1: check out all the work that john puts out the reviews are come thick and fast, and there's also a fabulous stable of podcasts with some very, very, very good contributors, so check that out as well, you can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram search for What I Watch Tonight uh, and you'll find me on there, there's movie reviews and also podcasts and you'll be listening to this episode, which you are now and it'll be on iTunes, Spotify Stitcher, TuneIn, Podknife anywhere literally you can find a, pod knife, a podcast you will find at Anchor (laughs) FM. It's everywhere. So uh, thank you once again, John. It's been fantastic. Uh, But until then, from me, it is see ya.
2: And keep watching movies.